We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com, use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween season. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter. New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. We're here to coming to you on a Victory Monday. Oh my God, that's a we keep saying Victory Monday, Nick. We've said Victory Monday five out of the six weeks so far. It's a lot of fun breaking down this film when they win, Nick. I got to be honest with you. There's a, such a difference, but more importantly, it's just a lot of fun breaking down Mike Kafka, Brian Dable film. There's so many things we see on a weekly basis that are different from what we've seen. In the past, there's multiple plays on the film we're about to go over and show you guys, by the way, for those of you watching along with us on YouTube, for those listening to the podcast, we do implore you should check us out on YouTube because then you can watch the all 22 film for free. If you don't pay for it, if you don't have access to it, even if you have access to it, you can get our takes and watch it with us as we break it down and we'll write it roll right into that shortly, Nick. But I want to go over a few interesting stats I saw from this game. I want to start with the stat from Justin Pennick. Shout out Justin Pennick, who said that he Daniel Jones was pressured on a season low 12.5% of throws in week six against the Ravens. His average pressure rate in weeks one through three, 41.76%. His average pressure rate in weeks four through six, including this 12.5% today, or I mean week six, 16.3%. So there's clearly been a big upgrade in the pass protection for Daniel Jones and for this offense. And I also think the quarterback has played a part in this as well. I think he's doing a lot better job managing and navigating the pocket. But that's something that stood out to me. In addition to that, Nick, Andrew Thomas, through six games, according to Pro Football Focus, has allowed just one total quarterback hit and zero sacks allowed. And if you go by pressures, just eight in six games. Um, one other thing I thought was interesting, this one's from The Entertainer. He said, in just the last two weeks, the New York Giants have had two drives over seven minutes in length on offense. They also had two drives that were 645 in length. In 2021, Nick, they did not have one drive that lasted (laughs) over seven minutes long, which, by the way, is astounding when you consider the entire objective of that Jason Garrett offense was to sustain long drives that just move the chains methodically 
and burn clock. That just shows how ineffective they were even at doing what the defense might give them. And finally, one more thing that was interesting as either a Daniel Jones stat or a Dable Kafka stat or both the way I interpret it up to you guys, the listeners, how you guys want to interpret it. The Giants are the only team in the NFL, Nick, without a 200-yard receiver. Total. 200 yards total. Okay? The offensive line, that's astounding through six weeks. That's even impossible almost. The offensive line has allowed a pressure, and again, we said it's been better weeks four through six, but you got to take the whole thing into account, has allowed pressure on 46% of dropbacks this season. Second highest rate in the NFL. And yet, Daniel Jones, 13th in EPA per dropback. Not bad. It's not bad at all. And in terms of the the pressure from weeks four to six, I feel like in weeks four and five, you can make the excuse, well, yeah, the game plan is tailored around disallowing the Giants from surrendering pressure, just basically forcing the defense to account for Daniel Jones's legs and not taking traditional pass sets. But that wasn't the case against the Baltimore Ravens, right? They had, I think, 12 true pass sets according to Pro Football Focus, which I think was the same number. Maybe there was one more in the previous two weeks. And yet I felt like, and you just watched the game too, Dan, the New York Giants did a really good job on offense protecting Daniel Jones, specifically Evan Neal. He had one of, uh, he had actually his best NFL game for certain so far. Andrew Thomas was still a stud. I feel like there were a couple plays that we'll go through where John Feliciano lost mm-hmm. kind of badly. Mark Lewinsky kind of lost a f- couple of those reps pretty badly. Ben Bredesen, I felt like played much better in this game than he did previous weeks. And we'll dive into the film and show everybody that for those who are watching on YouTube. But the progression by this offensive line against a Baltimore Ravens team that has Calais Campbell, Adafe Owe, and, and guys like that, Justin Matabuke, who to me is, it was a player that kept popping up on film, who kept making plays specifically as a run defender, even though he had a sack. I felt like the Giants offensive line took a significant step forward in this game. And I'm very happy that they did that because if this team can pass from true pass sets and they can trust Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones can trust them to go through their progressions and find wide receivers downfield in the intermediate and deep parts of the field, then this offense under this coaching staff, it can expand so much more than what we've already seen. That's a great point, Nick. And I think you meant they had more true pass sets in this game than the previous two weeks combined. Correct? Yes. 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 And that's a big, cause they only had five last week and week. Uh, against well, I think they had like, they either had 12 or 13 in the previous two weeks combined. So they might've had one less, but sure. it's comparable. It's comparable. And that's the difference. I mean, we started to see the true pass game expand a little bit against the backers on certain plays. Like you said, there are five true pass sets. This is almost triple that. Um, and in addition to that, like you said, Nick, that's where the ceiling comes. Right now, the Giants are a five and one team. And I think at this point, most critics, most analysts believe that they're kind of Fugazi, fake, fraudulent. But I think even those who are more bullish on the Giants, Nick, would probably say they're more of like along the lines of a wild card team. Like, you know, like some grinded out wild card team that probably when tasked with building out a real offensive game plan for the playoffs when things get more difficult, it's colder, defense is clamped down, is going to struggle. But the ceiling is they can become a different team if they can start to continue to expand on this true passing game, this true set passing game that we saw in this game. We saw multiple examples of great pass protection on these third and long situations, great strikes, great, great throws from Daniel Jones where he struck the ball in there. Again, really nice ball placement, really nice velocity, really nice timing. Good pocket manipulation by Jones that I want to go over. And then, in addition to that, which we've been seeing every week, but they continue to do it more and more, 
Great route combinations and great play calls. A lot of these are just great play calls. I'm going to be honest. If I had to pick one thing on a lot of these plays that made the play work, it wouldn't be Jones. It wouldn't be the receivers. It wouldn't be the pass projection. It would be the route designs and the route combinations. And you even mentioned it. Like there's a lot of these plays where uh, like you'll see like post wheel on one side and on the backside is where they're hitting the play because what they do on the front side of the play is allowing that backside play to get open. And that's just stuff we didn't see last year. It's just stuff. I don't think a lot of, I think a lot of the dead offenses around the NFL are struggling to do those types of things, create route combinations that get receivers open. And so if they can start to give him more protection, like we saw in these last three weeks and expand the true passing game and Daniel Jones continues to progress as he has, well, now you have an offense that potentially can, become one of those offenses that people trust, that people buy into, that people think, you know what, on any given Sunday, they can beat Team X, Team Y. Some of those plays, it's simple football. It's just going through your progression, like on the post wheel. You read what the safeties are doing. You're seeing if the post or the wheel will be open. And naturally, if they're not, that area of the field is cleared out. So now your third read in the progression can be David Sills coming across the field or it can be Wandell Robinson going on the deep over Marcus Johnson. Right. And it's just simple football that we just did not see before. And I feel like Daniel Jones in these last couple games, he's done a much better job getting through progressions. I've seen him do full field reads. And that's not something that we said right. too much last year in Jason Garrett's offense. It was a lot more quick game just read the defense pre to post snap. And if it's confirmed the defense post snap then throw that stick route or something like that, depending on whatever the play call was. But this year I see him looking safeties off. I see him going through true progressions and then finding his check down in a very timely manner. There have been plenty of times throughout this season, Dan, where I felt like Daniel Jones, I'm like, you need to get rid of it. And then he finds Daniel Bellinger who chipped in release, or he finds David Sills just right there in the flat for a quick little pass. And right as he releases the football, he is just getting nailed previous years yes. i feel like he would get nailed and it would be a fumble or it would go incomplete but for whatever reason this year just the trust that he has in this system and the in the personal development that he's taken in being a professional quarterback daniel jones is just doing a such better job getting rid of the football and, and not taking those hits and fumbling the football and just actually moving chains yeah that's an excellent point and we saw that good examples of that in the past two weeks i also feel like even on the plays where he's kind of making those predefined reads and being decisive with the football he's getting the ball into better position after the snap because he's recognizing the leverage pre-snap better. And we'll go over a couple examples that I have written down once that stands to mind. I think it was a throw out to Richie James, if I remember, where he just under his under after James came in motion. I'll have to look through the notes again as we walk through it, but he's just understanding pre-snap leverage better. I feel like he has a better feel for where the defense is going to be post-snap and it's working out so far in a lot of these cases. Like he's reading it out and it's playing out as he, how, as he's expected. Um, but that's in addition to all the things you mentioned, which stand first and foremost above that, the pocket manipulation, the pocket presence, and the ability to kind of use your eyes in a way that helps you as a quarterback. And also the play calling, not just the play designs. Those are obvious when we talk about them extensively, but how Kafka uses the play clock to take advantage of the defense or how he yes. employs certain formation. Like the play that was a full house, 32 personnel. You have three running backs and two tight ends. You align an initial alignment and the Ravens are going through their checks. You're like, okay, you got this guy, you know, they're spreading their defense out. And then out of nowhere, they just align in a totally different alignment. Everybody goes into a full house formation and they snap the football, the Giants, that is, in the next four seconds. So the Ravens don't know exactly what's going on. Their, their assignment are a little discombobulated at that point and it causes miscommunication and then when you go into the zone read with gary brightwell which we'll see that's gonna freeze everybody because you have to pay attention to daniel jones legs you have to pay attention to the handoff and your run fit with gary brightwell and that allows saquon barkley and matt Breida to get out to the flat and then run their routes to the field side and you saw matt Breida catch a 15 yard pass off of that like that's just 
excellent play design and execution and just how it's called. It's not just what is being called from this coaching staff, which is insane. It's also how they're calling it that is maximizing this offense right now. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I wanted to give a shout out to Matt Wallman, who has the rookie RSP. He's a really good film analyst, and he actually broke down that play today. And he brought up that exact astute point that you made. They start that play in Wildcat. Within a second, they rotate and they and they shift in motion into that full house that you said. But by that point, and he actually counted it down, it was actually two and a half. It was like two point. It was almost three seconds, but under three seconds, they snapped the ball after rotating into that or, you know, shifting and reformating, reformatting into that full house backfield. That doesn't give the defense any time to adjust, any time to reset anything they want. So they're off balance immediately. When you know, like they've clearly practiced that the Giants, right? Like they've practiced that whole thing. It's all scripted out, right? They start in the wildcat. They've practiced it, motioning into the full house. And then they've practiced the point where they're like, we need to get this bad boy off in three seconds or under. So the defense doesn't have time to adjust and rotate and do anything they need to really put themselves in a position to stop this play. And that's exactly as we saw it play out. Like, you know, that was a, it was a great catch by Brita and it was a great throw on honestly, by Jones. It was a really was, nice ball yeah. with good touchment, um, good ball placement and good touch. But still, as you can see, Brita takes a massive shot on that play. So if that play, it may be give, maybe if they give him another second, another two seconds to rotate and set up after, after the Giants rotate into what they came into, maybe that's the difference between stopping that play and not stopping that play. And it's the little details like that that just add to this coaching edge the Giants continue to get on a weekly basis. Weekly basis. You ready to get into the film, bro? Let's dive right into it. Let's throw that first drive up now. Let's get rid of our ugly faces. So here we are. That, well, speak for your speak for my myself. You you're known as as having one of the better faces in Giants Twitter, Nick. So especially when you when you people don't realize that you're you have a beard. People think based on your Twitter handle that you're just a shape, cleanly shaven guy. But you know what? I can't lay claim to having a pretty face, so I'm happy to have mine hidden. Oh, geez, Dan, you're too kind and too mean to yourself. And this is it's not the best clothing, Nick, and every Jew has it. You just got to. Get- <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, but his first drive was six plays, 14 yards. So obviously not the way the Giants wanted to go. So let's pop out in this first play where they try play action. Yeah, they tried play action, 12 personnel, and John Feliciano. And honestly, this should have been a penalty, not the cry over spilt milk or anything like that. But the the, the defender literally has his hand right in John Feliciano's face. He splits John Feliciano, works the one shoulder, and then separates to sack Daniel Jones right here. Yeah, but also what I like about this play, also I think what partially goes into this play, not working is Saquon Barkley slips coming out of his break right there, as you mm-hmm. can tell. Because if you look at Daniel Jones's eyes, it is pretty, in my mind, at least this is a predetermined read post-snap after the play action. He wants to hit Barkley in this one-on-one against this linebacker right here. And the Ravens actually play this pretty well, but I still feel like if Barkley doesn't slip coming out of that break, Jones can put that ball in a good spot to give Barkley a one-on-one against this defender, and he has a chance. But, you know, when he slips out of his break like that, it kind of screws up the timing. And ultimately, like you said, it doesn't really matter much anyway when the, when the guy gets through Feliciano. Absolutely. And that sets up a second and 16 on the next play. And I feel like the Ra- the Ravens on this play come out in a cover two, two by two stack, the New York Giants. And as you can see, and this is a 10 yard catch by Richie James. And I love what Daniel Jones does here. And you're going to see it from the end zone angle, how he snaps his head around to get off of the initial read that he goes to, to find Richie James coming out of his break, which is like a little out route that's initially angled towards the flat. And then he whips it back inside. You can see what Daniel Jones does with his head and his eyes right here. Looking to his left, doesn't love what he sees. Bang. That's exactly what we've been wanting for so long. 
He whips his entire body, sets his feet, gets his shoulders squared, eyes on Richie James, and then delivers a strike to James for 10 yards to set himself up in a third manageable situation. And these little nuances like this that Daniel Jones yes. is showing week in and week out. If he likes something to the front side of this play, the play, the play side, the side that he's looking at, he's going to take that. But instead, the entire defense is looking in that way because the Ravens are in his own coverage, and he snaps back, fires that football right where it needs to be. And Richie James does a good job picking up a few extra yards. And once again, as you can see from that end zone angle, it's a really good example of Jones being able to drive the football in these spots. He does like he's not known as a high velocity quarterback by any means, but he definitely has great velocity on throws like that. But more importantly is what Nick said. And, and ultimately, the ability to drive the ball here, by the way, gives James a chance to get what? Let's see. It looks like another because they it would have been at the 18. If it's a bad ball, if it doesn't have drive on, it's a bad ball. He catches it. They break on it. He gets another five, six yards after the catch set up a third and six instead of a third and 10 or third and 11, third and 12 situation. Um, But the key here is what you said, Jones, keeping it eyes to his left and then just knowing and understanding that that, that route for Richie, for Richie James, there is going to be open and going to be available. So snap your head around and just deliver that football. So this is an excellent play by Daniel Jones. It's, it's simple. It's subtle. It's not the hardest throw to make, but more importantly, we're seeing that eye move, the ability to move the defense and use your eyes to your advantage to, to hold the defense. Because just look at how 22 plays this over here on the on the top of your screen with Daniel. Until if, if if Daniel Jones flips his head to there to immediately to Richie James or kind of works back slowly, 22 has a chance to break on that and stop it underneath. And you can also see 22 is sinking to a depth to eliminate because remember this is a two by two stack so you have two receivers right next to each other one of them the receiver david sills runs a dig route that kind of expands 22 away right. from the flat which is where richie james is running to just sitting there right on the numbers and that dig route by david sills basically opens up the flat for richie james and Daniel sure. jones once he confirmed the coverage knew that it was going to be that, that that flat route would more than likely be open after he saw what was going on on the opposite side of the field. And I also just like what Evan Neal did on this play because Evan Neal is by himself. And this was the best game, like I said earlier, that we've seen from Evan Neal. He's out on an island by himself blocking. I think that's a Dafe Owe. And you can see he's just patient. He's getting into his set. He lands that outside arm and then he just puts the other arm kind of on the small of his back and then just stays in front of a Dafe Owe to allow Daniel Jones to throw the football. And look how clean that pocket is for Daniel Jones to throw the football into. This is going to be the first of many examples that we put up here with a clean pocket for Daniel Jones because that's how the Giants blocked in this game. Sometimes they used extra blockers to help make that possible, but here's just a regular traditional five-man protection, and they're able to give him just a pure, pure clean pocket. Yes, and another third and six. That was This is kind of a wild play. We're not going to really break it down extensively, but it's a tipped screen pass that Marcus Johnson somehow catches, and then he does an excellent job fighting for yards to get this first down here. Like You want to talk about potential of a player. We know Marcus Johnson has the speed that a lot of wide receivers in this room lack right now, but when you make adjustments like this to be able to catch the football and then fight for yards to pick up the first down, man, I really want you on the team. Yeah, and Marcus Johnson ultimately, and first of all, let me just say this. I like that we've seen a lot more of what we saw an example of their pre-snap. Jones making an alert to his receivers to kind of get into the play that he feels is best based on what he's seeing pre-snap from the defense here. He's seeing the blitz off the edge. He knows he has to throw it hot. And yeah, it's tipped, so it's a little bit lucky, but it's still the right it's a right alert by him to understand that like I need to get this ball out fast to the flat. They're not going to have enough defenders. We can alert to a quick hitting screen, have the other two receivers out of the bunch block, and maybe we have a shot at converting it. And they do ultimately convert it. But and what I want to say, if is, you're, yeah, go ahead. If you're looking at this right now on the YouTube, you have a tight bunch 
And there are two defenders who are up on that bunch. A bunch has three wide receivers consisting in it. And then there's one safety who's about six yards off the line of scrimmage, six or seven yards off the line of scrimmage. This is what Dan means when he says Daniel Jones alerted here. He saw that number 26 was coming on this blitz and 26 isn't even selling it at all. And he knew that Marcus Johnson, who was the outermost receiver, would be open. So you just use the two inner receivers to block those two cornerbacks who are up on the line of scrimmage. Johnson makes that catch. And now he just has that safety to beat with Andrew Thomas kicking into space. Exactly. Perfectly broken down. But just another good example of two, you know, what are they? Three plays into the game and Daniel Jones has already operated on a couple of processing things, you know, high level processing things that we want to see from a quarterback at this level um, in, in the game. And so they convert that first down about Marcus Johnson, by the way, Nick, I actually saw this today from giant fan in Charlotte. Apparently the giants have brought him down and elevated Marcus Johnson from the practice squad a maximum of three times. So now they, the, it comes to the push comes to shove. They need to decide if they want to make a roster spot for him available full time. They can't keep sending him down to the practice squad. And that's going to be really interesting because he played a lot of snaps in this game, ultimately for the giants. And I still feel like he gives them more on the, when he's on the field over a David Sills type, just alone with his speed, but also with his ability to make plays in the past game, not just create things by, you know, clearing, areas of the field out he actually makes more plays to me in the passing game than a david sills type so i'll be really interested to see what they do with that marcus johnson situation i'm wondering what the expendable roster spot will be but if you're just asking me do i want marcus johnson on this roster it's yes right now and you can even see on this player look at him at the top of the screen he's just flying off the line of scrimmage and no he doesn't have tyree kill speed but David Sills doesn't move like that. Like, like there are receivers right. on the roster who right. play a lot of snaps who don't move like that. And I think that's important. And what happened on this next play, Richie James took a false start. So it's first and 15. And they just basically, the Giants use a play action clear out and they leak Saquon Barkley into the flat. And it just goes for five yards here. So I was curious about this decision, Nick, because I thought the right read was to go to Bellinger here. What are your thoughts on uh, the decision here by Jones to kind of not throw to Bellinger? I kind of thought so too, but I think, Daniel Jones just probably looked at Saquon Barkley, saw one guy who was in that area and said, I'm going to trust Saquon Barkley's athletic ability. He might have predetermined that he was going to go to Barkley here because you could see the middle linebacker gets cleared out right here because he sees the number two, the number two, which is Wondell Robinson stretching the field. So Josh Bynes, middle linebacker, number 56 right there gets cleared out. So you have Daniel Bellinger just basically replacing Josh Bynes. He's the receiver who is open right here. And Saquon Barkley is really not, but you have Saquon Barkley who is Myrick, much better. Yeah, you could go to, it's a flood. I mean, you could go to Myrick or Bellinger there, but Bellinger is, I think the, the optimal guy to go to. Absolutely. And I think Daniel Jones probably just said, this is Saquon Barkley up against, right. I don't even know who this defender is. Number 40. I'm going to trust that. And he, he went in that direction. And if Barkley was able to catch this and then spin back inside, that would have been one heck of a play that would have went easily for a first down, but it ends up just going for five yards, setting up a second and 10. Yeah. Where the so I, I do consider that a, you know, a great game by Jones, but he's going to have some missed opportunities. I consider that to be certainly one of them because that would have potentially been a first down. I think if it goes to Bellinger, depending on what he can do post catch, but they end up, they end up uh, punting a couple plays later, but here we go on the second and 10. Yeah. So th- I just wanted to bring this up because look how much movement there is. You have David Sills acting like this is going to be like a split zone type of run. You have want or Matt Berea running in front of the match. There's just so much for the Ravens to consider. Watch right here. Like this is when Daniel Jones is handing the football off. You have Matt Breida, who is directly in front of the mesh point, And then David Sills, who is just off the mesh point. And look right. at all the Ravens second level defenders. They're all just kind of keying 
Who the heck has the football? And then you have two double teams up front. These these offensive linemen are just getting hip to hip and they're driving vertically, displacing the Ravens offensive linemen and climbing up to the linebackers. And the Giants end up only getting three yards on this run. But all the smoke and mirrors, Dan, that kind of stuff can go a long way. I think just throughout this game, everyone who's watching will see how far it ends up getting the Giants just causing that slight hesitation uh, with Ravens defenders. And you could see even on that play when you paused it, Nick, the defenders based on all of that pre-snap motion and all that eye candy, as we like to call it, are kind of on their toes there. They're not really in a position to be driving forward toward to to stop the run there. Um, And then they have to kind of react after the fact. So like you said, it's a really good way to keep them off their toes. Here's the third and seven uh, where the pressure gets in and and Daniel just kind of underthrows. But I think he was going the vertical route, even though he did probably have a better opportunity to throw deep over to Slayton, but that's obviously a tough throw as well. Yeah. I even questioned it too. I'm like, was he targeting Slayton on the deep over or is he going for Marcus Johnson? Mark Glowinski kind of gets beat pretty badly right here yes. by 93. And then you also have pressure coming from a, a really well-executed TE twist. Oh yeah. You can see from the left side of the screen, TE twist means the tackle is going to penetrate, usually run through the B gap, take the guard with him and then pick the tackle, allowing the end to loop around inside. And that's exactly what happens. The end ends up looping around inside whoever's playing the end here, which I believe is number four. He ends up, which is JPP ends up looping inside and John Feliciano doesn't anticipate it. He actually goes and he helps Ben Bredesen who's losing against the penetrator. He doesn't pick up the looper who is the assignment for him to pick up. And then Daniel Jones just ends up throwing it away. Yep, tough spot, not great protection. Giants punt. We go on to the next drive here, Nick, and it's another three. It's another. It's actually another punt drive, but it's a three and out this time. Three plays, eight yards for the Giants here on this one. Another missed opportunity on this drive, which we can get to, but they do come back to it. Um, a little bit of a miscommunication on the first play, but a continuing trend here for the Giants, which obviously they've talked about a lot in the post game. The players have, at least they're trying to not start the slow. Nobody wants to start slow in the game. Obviously we can commend them for their halftime adjustments and for their in-game adjustments, but they want to get off to a faster start, but it has been a pretty slow start for the Giants to this point um, in the season, as far as these first couple drives go. And here's another three and out. We start here with this three yard gain on a pin pull concept uh, for, for the Giants. Yeah, it's like week one all over again, although they've run it in a lot of games where they pull the play side guard and the center and they block everybody else down, attempt to wash down while bringing the H back, the sniffer, Daniel Bellinger from the backside. Look at Daniel Bellinger just drive his guy off screen right there. That dude loves to block, man. Like, I absolutely love seeing that kind of stuff from Daniel Bellinger. He has Tough. so many good examples of blocks in this. Like, just throughout his, I, if you did a blocking reel of Bellinger through his first six weeks of his rookie season NFL career, you'd have so many examples of the play you just said where he's driving, to, where defenders end up on the ground after they are engaged with him in a block. Something that you love to see. And again, he's a rookie. You don't see this from rookie tight ends. It's yeah. not something that you, you see commonly. But I think, like we said in yesterday's podcast, man, he... Coming from the Aztecs offense where they block so frequently, he's so used to doing it. And according to his father, he embraces it too. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Frank Bellinger. Um, Shout out so then we did run a little wildcat. doesn't go anywhere. And let's take a look at this one from the sideline angle because there is an opportunity missed here with a really great yeah. route run by Darius Slayton. On the bottom of your screen, you'll see the whip route by Slayton there. Whew. This is a torches. Excellent. Excellent route by by Darius. And the whip routes and these and these return routes and all, all of the, these types of routes work really well against man coverage. And I feel like Kafka and Dable dialed it up in a, in a very 
in a very advantageous manner. Like, it's not like they were running a lot of these routes against zone. They ran a lot of these routes right. against man coverage, and a lot of them came open. Like, the one third and long conversion will go over later to Wandell Robinson. And then there's this one. Like, Darius Slayton's open here. If Daniel Jones was able to see it, this would have been a first down conversion on this third and seven play. Yeah, and we're, we we praise Jones, and he's played really well. This is not this is a play left on the field for sure. I mean, you want him to go to Darius Slayton here on the whip route. He probably went back to the sideline, saw it, and they went over it, and they're like, "Okay, we can use this again." But you got to be aware that that this is probably the best option here based on the formation, and and it changes. There are still positives for this play. I thought Jones did a good job of not going crazy when there was a little pressure on Evan Neal's side, and Evan Neal settled back down. And he readjusted and he slid and he got the ball to Barkley, but. Obviously, when you see a receiver wide open like that, you want it to you want him to throw that with anticipation, get the ball out, and give an opportunity for the easy first down. That's ideally what you would want. But again, like whenever Daniel Jones misses a read and we go over it here on the podcast, that's not us necessarily chastising. Like everyone misses reads. Like Patrick Mahomes yeah, misses reads. Aaron exactly. Rodgers misses reads. They miss throws. Like watch Lamar Jackson. He's a former MVP. He's one of the most exciting players to watch in the NFL. He missed several throws in this game. He missed several throws on Sunday night football. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad quarterback whatsoever. It's a it's a game where <laughs> there's there's room for error. And Daniel Jones has actually corrected a lot of the errors that he used to previously make, which is a step in the right direction but he's going to miss reads every now and again exactly and then the giants will go like i said go back to the sideline and figure out ways to kind of improve on that moving forward but this one leads to obviously uh i believe uh where are we at now are you on the next drive already yeah this is the third okay. yeah drive. so that was a th that whip route they missed was was uh ended up being they punted there from around the 50 there which was gave me a little bit of flashbacks to joe judge but as i said to my brother at the time i trust dable right now full confidence and i also felt like at the time, it made a little bit of sense based on the game, um, but the Bravens did kind of get back to the 50 really fast. So ultimately, it didn't really work out for the Giants, but they did end up punting. So here they get the ball back next um, on this third possession, which was a 10 play touchdown drive. After Gary Brightwell's excellent return, which yes. that's why the Giants are starting way up near midfield and 21 personnel to start, just use motion, bring Matt Breida right back and you execute one of those little tap passes, one of those little touch passes and the Matt Breida outruns Adafi Owe to the sideline, but David Sills doesn't really execute the best of blocks here. And I feel like this play could have been a much larger game yes. if David Sills was able to take care of number 21, but 21 does a really good job kind of elongating the path of Matt Breida here. But look at like at the Ravens defense, if you're watching on YouTube, all those second level defenders, those linebackers end up getting picked up here and they're paying attention to the play action element after the tap pass to Saquon Barkley. So all you really have are these defenders, these secondary pieces down at the bottom of the screen that Matt Breida can easily outrun if he had an angle, but David Sills just didn't provide it on this one play. And I also think the end man on line of scrimmage for the Ravens played this really freaking well because he didn't really give give Brita any opportunity to get vertical and, 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 and if he did, I mean like, you, yeah, David Sills could have done a better job, but if he had any opportunity to get vertical, look at all that green space for Brita and they'll come back to this because they know that all they have to do is catch that end man, a line of scrimmage, playing it a little over, playing a little over aggressive toward the Daniel Jones and uh, Barkley side of the play fake. And then and they can get a big play out of it. Absolutely. And then the second play is a second and eight play action rollout. So the Giants are starting to move the pocket a little bit, get Daniel Jones to use his athletic ability. And I like this decision to not throw the football here. And I think Jones made it 100%. pretty quickly right here because yep. you you have a lot of those Ravens defenders sinking underneath Darius Slayton's yes. uh, route. And I, I feel like the Ravens knew whenever the Giants are going to roll out, they're just going to have backside routes coming across the field in the intermediate parts. Because you could see Patrick Queen and number 26, just flip their hips and locate Darius Slayton. And at that right. point, it's 
Daniel Jones against Adafi Owe to the sidelines. Daniel Jones picks up a couple yards with his legs outrunning another really good athlete. Yeah, he does a good job actually here picking up picking up what he can based on the fact that that's Oa out there. Like that's a that 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 was a nice flash of his speed kind of coming back as he gets healthier. And then we have this third and 14 because Darius Slayton gets an OPI on a three-yard pass to Richie James that would have set up a fourth and one. Now, that would have been a really interesting decision that I think Brian Dable would have maybe went for. I'm not really 100% sure after the previous drive, but this is a third and 14 play right here from Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones just sticks in the pocket, steps up in the pocket, keeps his eyes downfield, and delivers an absolute strike to Darius Slayton on the numbers. Yeah, this is there's a lot to like about this play. One could be the pass protection. I know they have extra guys in here, but look at how clean that pocket is. Another could be Daniel Jones doing a good job of navigating the pocket and understanding that he has the ability here with the space to step into this throw and really rip it. And that's exactly what he does. I also really like the ball placement here because I don't like some will say like, oh, you know, this is looks a little low for ball placement. No, actually, this is exactly one where you want to keep it away from all three of those defenders in that area. And that, in my opinion, gives none of those defenders a chance to hit him up high. Let's say Slayton and knock the ball loose. It really puts in a spot where the only thing that could happen here is Slayton can catch it and go right to the ground, which I like in this spot. I also think when you look at it from the other angle, from the from the end zone angle. Before we go to the end zone angle, yeah. I want to I want to look at Darius Slayton's route because this is a cover two defense, and the and the Ravens are playing the sticks with their with their middle hook defenders. If you watch Darius Slayton's route, he is just outside of the numbers pre snap. He releases and he goes like he's going to fake inside of the 50 yard line. So like he's going to break inside and that gets number 44 to kind of bite in that direction. Then Darius Slayton works outside of number 44, gets into his blind spot and just loops around right at the sticks and sits right on the 40 yard line, right there, right where the numbers are. It's a great route by Darius Slayton. It's great understanding of space and it's a great knowledge of just how to uncover against cover two zone. If you can just take care of this flat defender out there and just sit instead of expanding and coming laterally, down the field right into the other hook defender. He just sits right on the 40. And Daniel Jones is on the same page as he is against this coverage. And Jones delivers the strike. It's a really good play by Darius Slayton. Excellent route by Slayton there. Good job to hold on to the ball. Good job to sit in that spot. And I think as we flip over here to the end zone angle, I really like the job Daniel Jones does with holding that middle defender with his eyes here and then kind of flipping back and throwing the ball to Slayton. That is a big play here. Watch how, watch his eyes and watch what number, watch, watch number six of the Ravens. See, he cannot drop into that depth there because he's held by Daniel Jones, holding him by looking into the middle of the field. Six is taking steps. Watch six, one, two, three steps towards the middle there, one step toward the middle. Now he can't get into that lane, right? This Daniel Jones such a good right over to Slayton, stares him down for the whole play like we'd seen at times in the past. That guy drops right into that zone, either intercepts it or makes it an impossible throw. That's such a good observation, Dan, right there. And you could see right here, looking at the middle of the field, looking at the middle of the field, look at Patrick Queen's path. Patrick Queen's path, he's gaining depth, and then Patrick Queen is still looking and now he flashes his eyes to the middle of the field because that's where Daniel right. Jones is looking. And then he starts to fade into the middle of the field. And that's right as Daniel Jones steps up and flips his eyes to Darius Slayton, delivers the strike. That is an advanced play right there from Daniel Jones. And also the protection is, is very good. I don't give a crap that two guys are staying there. You just don't yeah. see a lot of clean pockets for the New York Giants. <laughs> There's only three routes out there, though. Let's be honest. And this is what a lot of it has been. This has been the plan. It's a lot of old school Kevin Gilbride type throwbacks here with a lot of these two, three man route combos and the rest of the guys in protection. A lot of times those guys are 
chipping and releasing like they'll go leave like Barkley or the tight end in and then they'll kind of have him release into a route which they haven't really thrown that route too often but at least it's there for the possibility and they're also there in case there's a breakdown in the pass protection early on and they can kind of help and they can kind of make it so there's enough time there but really to me that play is made by two players there Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton Slayton with his route and Jones with his ability to keep Patrick Queen's eyes keep Patrick Queen out of that lane that he ultimately wants to step into and fire that ball advanced passing and this next play is the full house play that we were going over just a little bit before now mind you that was a third and 14 conversion typically third and 14 conversions they don't happen so the giants decide to go tempo here and they substitute 32 personnel into the game so the defense right now is in a little bit of scramble mode we talk a lot about sudden change this isn't a sudden change situation but it's the similar type of mindset to a sudden change because you just got beat on a third and 14 and now the giants are substituting personnel and moving their formation around all crazy like and we see that exactly here look you have 32 personnel you have three running backs in the backfield then two tight ends in chris myrick 32 personnel unreal and i want to exactly what is this like 1960s but i love i want to watch it from the end zone view first because i love what this does to the defense you see the defense they're not entirely sure what's going on Daniel Jones goes into this mesh point. Look at all the eyes on the mesh point with Gary Brightwell. And what that does, you can see 21 is setting up like he's going to go back inside 97, 40. They're all frozen because of the zone read element of Daniel Jones and Gary Brightwell. And what that does, it buys time for Matt Breida, who is to the right of Daniel Jones, and then Saquon Barkley, who's essentially in front of Daniel Jones, who who are just darting to the field side, as you can see right here. And that mesh point, that held the Baltimore Ravens in place to allow Matt Breida and Saquon Barkley to run into space. like Even little things like that are just just sheer brilliance from this coaching staff, not to mention Daniel Jones has so many options. He can hand the football off to Gary Brightwell here, Dan. He can keep it himself. He could throw it to Matt Breida. He could throw it to Saquon Barkley. And he realizes that it's Matt Breida who has the leverage on his defender as the one defender, as you can see right here, 21 goes with Saquon Barkley. So now Daniel Jones knows Matt Breida is going to be open because the closest defender to Matt Breida is this guy who's on the hash. And Matt Breida is a essentially on the numbers right now. I feel like Marcus Peters does a good job peeling off, but he's late here. Like this is just an excellent play design and call from this coaching staff. And let's back it up. It's such a cool call by the Giants because when have we seen anything like this? Not just from the Giants, but from most NFL teams. You don't see a call like this from a lot of NFL teams utilizing 32 personnel, utilizing a, a situation where you have like these two running backs leaking out from there. It's the type of stuff that you like grow up thinking I could design a cool play in the NFL. I would design it like this, right? That's like the feel I get with some of these Giants plays they've come up with. There's one later in the game where Barkley takes the direct snap, hands it to Jones. He rolls out and throws the ball. Like these are the type of plays you design in your head. You're like, I think this would work. And then it actually does work. And I want to commend one more thing on this play because the design is amazing. That's the star of the play. But at the same time, this is a really nice off-platform throw by Jones here. He doesn't take time to re- – he doesn't have time to hitch into the throw. He doesn't have time to find his platform and throw from a balanced base. He doesn't have time to do something we've seen that he still likes to do a lot, burp the baby, to kind of recollect. He has no time for any of that. He has to throw this ball on the run, off-platform, off-balance. He keeps it high. He keeps it tight with the spiral. And he dry- it's not a drive throw. It's more of a touch throw. But it's perfectly placed there. And I know you could say, oh, the, the Breida gets killed. 24, by the way, does a great job here of working back toward Breida. If you watch from this angle, you can kind of see this is a very nice play, I thought, by 24 to kind of work back there, understanding that by the point by that point where Jones has rolled that far out of the pocket, he's probably not going to be throwing the route that he was originally on here, 24. So he kind of worked back. And it is a great hit, but this is a really good throw by Daniel Jones off platform. 
It's an excellent throw by Daniel Jones and an excellent play overall by the New York Giants in a situation where they just converted the third and 14, like we said before. So the defense was already scrambling and then they use tempo and then they use that personnel and they align in full house, giving them 2.5 seconds to react. There's a lot of moving parts there for Mike Kafka. And as we say it every week, man, we praise this guy, but it's warranted. It's warranted. Without a doubt. And this play may not look as much from the from this from the end zone angle but if you look at from the sideline angle nick this is one of those plays where i was like and look i don't know how to pronounce him matabuke is that his name justin matabuke yeah Yeah. i thought from watching the film i'm curious to get your take he was the best defender on the field for the ravens what was your thoughts on that i I said that earlier and i tweeted it (laughs) so yeah i uh i I missed missed when you tweeted i think i tweeted that out too so i think we just we just came to that conclusion from watching this game because it's it's pretty obvious if you if you watch it on the all 22 you can just see how many plays he's making like this one where if he doesn't make this play here on glowinski this could potentially be cut back gone for barkley right he cuts back here he hands the ball let's pause it right here cuts back a little bit earlier cuts back hits that hole and I'm pointing as if people can see this, which they can't. I'm pointing at my computer screen like an idiot. But he cuts back, hits that hole, then gets vertical around the 20, and he's gone. And that's just what we've seen from Barkley at times. But great play by Matabuke here to just kind of throw Glowinski off of this and get into that lane where the cutback could be. For those watching on YouTube, just watch how quick Matabuke's hands are. He is the player directly over the top of 64, Mark Glowinski. Look at the look at that. That is textbook defensive line play right there. You have your ass low, your hat low, you're playing with low leverage, and you shoot your hands inside and you keep Mark Lewinsky off of your chest. Matabuke's textbook right here. And then he flashes his eyes on Saquon Barkley and sheds. And not only does he shed, he positions himself in the cutback lane and then works around to make the tackle into the the declared lane by by Saquon Barkley. For whatever reason, you can kind of see it better on the on the sideline view, but right here, you actually get a pretty good view of it too for those watching on YouTube. This is just a textbook excellent play by Matabuke. And there were several runs in this game where Matabuke doesn't make a stop. He doesn't make a tackle, but he positions himself in his gap that forces Saquon Barkley to bounce into an area that Saquon Barkley only ends up getting like one or two yards. I just felt like the kid had a great game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is this new water called Liquid Death? Because it will brutally murder your thirst, and the recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. I've tried Liquid Death, and I am still here. I'm not plastic, 
nor am I thirsty anymore because my former parched state was quenched by the tart acidic taste of one of their flavors, severed lime. The lime became severed because it messed with another liquid death flavor, mango chainsaw, which combines real agave nectar with Leatherface to slice the uncomfortable drought festering in your oral cavity. Into berries and fruit, go six feet deep with a heartbeat with their sparkling flavor, bury it alive. If you love still or sparkling water, go get liquid death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundy's, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Just use the promo code BIGBLUE. Again, go get liquid death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. And then use the promo code BIGBLUE. That's liquiddeath.com slash BIGBLUE. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? Do you like to place bets and find ways to optimize your betting experience? Well, then OddsTrader.com is the place for you. OddsTrader is a place to compare odds from all the major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. OddsTrader offers handicapping, play-by-play updates, player statistics, key game statistics, live scoring and tracking, projected game day, weather, and Bet Tracker allows you to keep records of all your games and betting activity. So if you like to place bets and you want to get the most out of that experience, go to oddstrader.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's oddstrader.com slash BLUEWIRE. OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. Yeah, I love the way you broke it down. And he, this is, you'll see him throughout the film. You'll watch 92 be making plays that made him, in my mind, clearly the best player on that Ravens team. They got him at 71st overall in that 2021 draft. I don't even really remember watching too much of him uh, in, in, in college. I'm not sure if you did you get yes, a good feel so for him? I did. So when he was, I think, uh, a freshman or maybe a redshirt sophomore, I was watching tape of Dalen Mack, I think his name was, okay. and Kingsley Kiki. And they, those guys were like seniors. So I was like, who the heck is this night? I can't remember his number. But I was like, who the heck is this guy? Is this guy draft eligible? And he was like a freshman or, or like a redshirt sophomore. And I was like, oh man, this guy's going to be an issue. <laughs> and then lo and behold, he ends up being a day two pick. And I thought a steal. I thought he had some of the best agility I've ever seen in a defensive lineman on the okay. field. I don't, I don't know what he tested as, but that's just dating back to his days at Texas A&M. Yeah. All right. Well, he's evolved into a big player, made a big game. Now we have a zone or a, I guess a wild caught zone read here with Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida. I think we praised in the past, maybe it was two podcasts ago, Nick, or the one before this, how Barkley's been kind of like a hundred percent on his own reads on when to keep it, when to give it. We could probably count this one as a bad decision by Barkley, given on, on, you know, how 40 plays this and with 44 there as well. What are your thoughts on this? I think you're probably right, but I will say I'm not 100% certain who this Reed defender is. It doesn't appear like 40 is the Reed defender. Okay. I, to me, like if he hands it off here, it looks like six. Patrick Queen might be the Reed defender here because six just flows to where Saquon Barkley would be, and then he hands the football off. 59 stayed in place to play where Daniel Bellinger and Matt Breida are going. So I'm right. not entirely certain on, on who the Reed It looks like he's looking at 59. Regardless, though, it would have been better if he kept the football here because number 40 ends up blowing up Matt Breida here and the Giants lose a couple yards. Yep, and they, they lose five yards on this play. So it sets up a third and 12. Another, again, this drive had a third and 14 conversion and a third and 12 conversion. That is really difficult stuff to do. And this is the first of two 
long conversions to Wandell Robinson, who ended up with a 9.3 a dot average depth of target. He comes back here and runs an inside whip route, which works out really well for the Giants here. Daniel Jones does an excellent job on this play. Uh, with his pocket poise and pocket manipulation throws through traffic here with bodies in his face and gets the ball out on time to Wandell Robinson. Giants come out and bunch again. And Wandell Robinson is the outermost receiver. He's still about seven yards inside the numbers. He gets isolated against Kyle Hamilton, number 14th overall pick in this past draft. So it's rookie on rookie right here. And you could see Kyle Hamilton should not be guarding Wandell Robinson in this much space. Kyle Hamilton ends up basically slipping out of his break. Excellent route by Wandell Robinson right there at the bottom of the screen to get open. And then he angles upwards towards the first down. Daniel Jones just delivers a dart right on his numbers. Isolate Wandell Robinson against Kyle Hamilton any day of the week because Kyle Hamilton, I love them as a prospect, still think he can be a good player, but these are not the situations where he thrives against shorter, shiftier receivers in space. Yeah, he's actually struggled a lot in these one-on-one matchups um, as they've isolated him one-on-one throughout the first six weeks, which people weren't expecting out of him. I don't know if ultimately that's the best play- way to use Kyle Hamilton, but if you're a safety in the NFL, you have to be using these spots. I mean, we saw a lot in the back end years of Landon Collins teams doing that same thing to Landon Collins. So it's just something the Giants figured out. They probably saw it on tape, realized they had this option. But let's take a look at this from the end zone angle, because I think you can really see how brilliant of a play this was by Daniel Jones within this pocket to make this play. Um, yes, he understands where the read is going to be, but look at his eyes. He comes there and that's not an easy, that is not a clean pocket. We've had clean pockets all day. That is not a clean pocket. Patrick queen is getting a nice pushback into his right into his grill. And Daniel Jones head with that over the top delivery gets that ball out. Like you said, right into Wandell's numbers. Now this Nick will be the first of my many nitpicks with Wandell Robinson. I got to be honest with you. I hope this is something he works on with the giants coaching, but there are a lot of examples of Wandell Robinson at the catch point, letting the ball get into his body. I just feel like in general, Robinson, one of these ultimately leads to a drop. Even on his touchdown, Nick, it's a bobble that he shouldn't bobble. I don't love the way Wondell Robinson catches the football. It's not with two hands out. Like Just the technique for how he catches the football, I think, needs, needs some improvement or it's going to lead to potential drops. Even in this situation, him letting the ball get into his body here. And I know it's on the numbers. It's not the easiest catch to make, but... With a different catch technique here, he might even have a chance to go a little bit after yards after the catch if he kind of gets vertical and cuts that up. Yeah, he had three catch attempts like this in the game, exactly like this. He had this one, he had the drop that you were referring to, and then on the other conversion, he caught the ball the same exact way. He essentially like traps it in the air and tries to trap right. it against his chest. And you're right. Like, that's not an ideal way you want him to use his hands. But this guy also is like 20, 20th percentile hands. Like, I think he has like nine inch hands, which are. They're not the smallest. They're not like Will Fuller hands or, or Hunter Renfro hands, but they're they're not they're not ideal hands either. I'll say that. And for those listening, Saquon Dang. Barkley comes across the formation to locate who the blitzing second level defender is, and he just delivers a huge shot and keeps the pocket clean. Daniel Jones also gets his wrist hit on this play, which is a little bit nerve wracking, Dan. When you when you consider the injuries to Russell Wilson Carson last Wentz. year, Carson yeah. Wentz. There's been a lot of little injuries like that that have really messed with people's ability to throw the football. So luckily that hit Jones on his wrist. Yeah, and he didn't. He ended up throwing fine throughout the rest of the game. So luckily we, we don't have an issue there for the Giants there. So now we get to this first and goal situation after that big conversion. Um, this is another play where I really think you can see it from this angle um, a little bit. Yes, you can be nitpicky and say the ball was a little bit behind Marcus Johnson here, but this is a ball that can be caught. It's right on him. 
And more importantly than anything else, what I really liked about this play is this is not designed pre-snap to go to Marcus Johnson here. So Daniel Jones, we've talked a lot about how he's done a better job, you know, working through progressions, finding other options, and not always going with this predefined pre-snap read. This is designed, watch his eyes after this this play fake, double play fake. He wants to hit Bellinger. That's where it's supposed to go. And look how quickly he comes off of Bellinger. In the past, we've seen Jones do have examples of where he's locking on to the read and waiting for it to get open. He makes a decision right away. That's not going to be there. He grounds himself and drives the football to Marcus Johnson. And despite the fact that you can, if you want, you can be nitpicky and say that if this throw is ahead of him, he probably catches it. But this throw still has a lot of other good things about it. It's really drives it with really good velocity. And again, it still hits the receiver in the numbers. I agree. I don't think this is the best throw. I'm sure Daniel Jones would be the first one to say this, but it's still a catch that Marcus Johnson should make. But I do like how Marcus Johnson turns this corner. If you look at the bottom of the screen on, on Marcus Peters stays in bounds, doesn't go out, flattens his route. And then, presents a target for Daniel Jones. And this play looks a little bit, it's not the same formation. I don't believe it. I haven't watched the play since the game, but the same type of concept, you fake the play action, you go into the end around and then the tight end who initially blocks just leaks out in the end zone. Where did we see that recently? Mercedes uh, Lewis last week, yeah, right? It was a Lewis similar type of the Packers. You're right. And he flicked back to the tight end. You're right. That's almost the exact same design. It, 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 yeah, it's a very similar design. I don't know if it's the Ravens formation. played it a lot better than the Giants played. <laughs> oh my God. Did they ever? They played it excellently. And this is again, Dan, another play in the red zone, high leverage situation that is oh. specifically designed for Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, and it, it is. And that's, they have a lot of trust in the rookie, as we'll see later in the game. But I just want to say, man, I love how Jones comes off that read, plants him, grounds himself, and drives that football to Marcus. I'm telling Johnson. you, man. It's look, we've been honest about Jones since he arrived here as a New York giant. We've said it before our first game together, Dan and I was week three in 2019 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this kid, his game has progressed these last couple of weeks. It's significantly progressed. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about that from the mental standpoint too. And that again, has always been the area where he needs, not only needs to progress most because of where he was at and what he put on film regarding mental processing in his first what was it? Three years now, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. But more importantly, because that's the type of quarterback that he is, he is going to be, if he gets to his peak, a pocket passer. Yes, you can use him on the run, but the Giants don't want to exactly run that kind of offense all the time where they're moving the pocket with boot action all the time. They want to be able to have him be a traditional drop back passer. Um, and so as he progresses mentally, that will give him more opportunities for sure. Starting to show little signs of adapting to the nuances of being a typical pocket passer. And I feel like we we always talk about how Daniel Jones's consistency is his biggest issue, right? Well, this year he's been pretty consistent and that's definitely a step in the right direction. And it's hard to explain this on a podcast. It's hard to explain this even with our YouTube because I can't really show what I'm trying to show here with my hands. But this is another example here and he ends up bobbling it what I think is really poor catch form by Wandell Robinson. Like there's no reason that he can, he needs to put his hands out underneath, like with his hands up, let's say I'm trying to explain this the best way I can with the, with his palms up. That's probably the best way to describe it. He should be having, he should be firing his hands out in like that diamond form and catching the ball like that. I just don't understand where he picked this up, Nick. And, and, you know, we saw this on film at, at Kentucky a lot too. There were drops in his film, but I just don't love, how he is at the catch point here. Maybe the end zone angle is a better angle of it too. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll go over that in a second too, but hopefully he's not as bad as as uh, Evan Ingram with the gator chomp. And that yeah, no, it's not a gator chomp because Evan Ingram, that's the thing. 
The gator chop is bad too, but at least with the gator chop, you're flashing your hands the way you're supposed to. You just have to catch it with a different style than the gator. You don't want to chop down and then like, you know, clap your hands down on the football. But here with the palms up from Robertson, it's just not good technique and it leads to the bobble. Luckily, he's able to reel it back in before he goes out of bounds. And the touchdown right here that we're going over, this is obviously the touchdown, like we said. It's a bubble, and this is just simple football like we talked about in the quick reaction. Wanda Robinson is the number three, the innermost receiver. So you just release the number one and the number two, Marcus Johnson and David Sills, respectively, up to clear out. You have David Sills just create a pick on Wanda Robinson's defender, and then you just run Wanda Robinson into the flat. Easy touchdown, easy pitch and catch. Don't know why it took so long for us to see this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a good point, but I'm happy we are seeing it now. And the thing is, those pick plays, they're so weird. The NFL, sometimes they call them OPI these days. Sometimes they don't. It's like, I don't know. I don't see much of a difference between the ones they call for OPI and the ones they just keep the flag off the field, which leads me to believe it's like a holding type situation where you can call it all the time and it's just subjective. But it is good to see because for the most part, you can get away with these types of plays in the red zone. Even after the game, they're like, yeah, that was a pick play. Like, yeah, I think Wando even described this. Yeah, Sills set a nice pick for me. It is. It is a pick. But at the same time, as long as Sills turns back around and shows his hands like, hey, I'm a receiver, then right, they usually right. don't call it. It's when you like lower your shoulder into contact yeah. and act as a blocker. That's when it typically gets flagged. Which still, again, to me is very subjective based on these reps, but whatever. Yeah, but whatever. We'll, we'll go with it. We'll take it. It's a touchdown. It was necessary. The Giants scored a touchdown here because that made it a 7-7 ball game. Uh, the Ravens with the Giants, the Ravens will go on to score a field goal on their next drive, if I'm not mistaken. And then the Giants had two possessions. I want to call it one, but we'll call it two before the half. Um, five plays total, five yards. This one was a three play, uh, five yard, three and out. Start with the the motion of Saquon Barkley. This is a two by two set, not a three by one. So they fast three Saquon Barkley to the field. And that draws the eye of the Baltimore Ravens second level defenders to follow Saquon Barkley, which opens up the quarterback draw. And this is something that we've said has been predictable over the last couple of weeks. Whenever they do this, they seem to run the quarterback draw, but look at the top of the screen. The giants run an RPO tag off this play. I'm not, I don't believe they did before. And I could be wrong there, but I don't remember seeing that every time it seemed like Daniel Jones was just taking it. Maybe they ran like a bubble just to occupy. But here it looks like it's an actual route from Daniel Bellinger, who's the number one receiver who runs the slant and then Darius Slayton runs the flat. And then they just turn it to blockers once they realize Daniel Jones keeps this. But it looks like the entire time Daniel Jones isn't reading anybody. He's going to keep this anyways. Yep. Um, this one doesn't work, but you know, this is something that they've been using now almost every week. So we have a second and seven little zone read run here. He just did that so often in this game he just had such a damn good game he was it was just so hard for the giants to account for him here because even on like no this is the next play. this is his own replay where he kind of just shoves the defender in but overall with with matabuke he was definitely the best player i thought on the field for the ravens he was he was and then the second and seven play it just ends up being the zone read like you said and then that sets up a third and five where the ravens coming out looking like wink martindale's defense they just load up the line of scrimmage here against the New York Giants. And it's difficult when you look at this from from an opposing, from where we cover the Giants, right? When you look at it from the opposition's point of view, it's like, damn, I don't know who the hell is coming here. And the Ravens end up dropping two guys off the line of scrimmage. And the Giants end up trying to throw to David Sills on a quick hitch against Marcus Peters. And there's contact, but it's not enough to, to really be called, in my opinion. Giants are in 11 personnel. Yeah. But you can see how Daniel Jones, he doesn't know who's coming either. He's just going to take that, that little free access to, to David Sills and try to convert this third and five situation, but it ends up just going incomplete because everything was rushed because the Ravens appeared like they were going to send a lot of pressure. 
And it was actually a really nice pickup from the back, too, here, in my opinion, at least. Keeps the pocket clean for Jones. Jones puts his hands up. I think he thinks that it should have been a call. I don't think this should have been pass interference or holding here uh, on the Giants. I just think that Sills didn't win his route. Like, that's the thing with Sills here. Like, you can even see where the ball is ultimately placed by Jones. He expects Sills to be at a different depth level there like and Sills is just not able to get there he's not able to win that one-on-one and that's just what I mean Sills doesn't offer much right now his his catch in this game wasn't really on him it was really on design um I guess he did a good job of like flipping his body back and creating a few yards extra after contact but he doesn't create separation and he doesn't win these one-on-ones often enough he's won some of these like he's won a couple of these back shoulders I think there was one last week or the week before but you know, ultimately that's the right read by Jones there I think that's the best option for him on that play to have any chance at it but Sills has to win that one-on-one. The receiver has to win a one-on-one. You want to throw it outside of Marcus Peters, too. You don't necessarily yeah, exactly. want to throw it throw anywhere near there. Right, exactly. You don't exactly. want to leave it any chance to be picked. So it's actually really good ball placement. It's just it's thrown to a spot where he expects Sills to be. Sills can't get there in time. That's pretty much the bottom line there. And then the next two plays on the drive were just right before the half. So we're not going to go right. over that. Daniel Jones had a fumble, but again, it's like one of those Fugazi it's type a bullshit of fumble. fumble because he's loading up the throw yeah. Hail Mary. Like that's exactly. the thing. Like that'll go against his stats. And it's and you could be like the end of the season. Remember, he's still having trouble with like these fumbles where it's a bad lack of awareness. But like when you actually watch the play on film, or even if you just watch this on the broadcast angle and provided your own context to the play, you'd understand that he navigates the pocket in my opinion pretty well i don't know if you're showing you're showing another play but he navigates yeah. the pocket pretty well and gets to a launch point where he could actually launch the hail mary but obviously uh you know he gets that backside pursuit and and it's a strip sack and then they start the new york giants five five play punt this is the first drive after halftime and look at justin right. matabuke again against evan neal who evan neal had a great game but watch 92 just bench press evan neal and then locate the ball carrier that's why dan and i are singing the praises of an opposing team we had the Ravens out here in a tight front five guys on the line of scrimmage. Again, very similar to what Wink Martindale did all game from a defensive perspective. Just have five guys on the line of scrimmage with a nose, either a four eye or, or a three, and then and then two edge rushers. Just clogging up the, the rushing lanes up front. Giants try running the double pullers again, but it only ends up going for, for a small gain here, a five-yard gain to set up a second and five. Yeah, and five's not bad. I mean, they, they would take that any day in the run game. Um and this second and five was a really interesting play as well. I thought the design was excellent. So let's take a look and show this one from the pre-stat book. It's one of the, I love empty, Nick. You know, I love empty more than, more than anyone else in the world. Uh, Giants haven't used it as much as, as I don't want to say I have hope because it's an early, they're, they're installing the offense and it requires a lot. But on this play, I thought the usage of empty and pre-stat motion created this opportunity. It did. It absolutely did. You, whenever you motion, especially a player like Saquon Barkley, it's going to draw the attention yes. of the entire defense. And you could see it right here. The entire defense shifts. And then once Saquon Barkley ends up going on the motion, one of the defenders, the defender over the initial number four receiver, because Saquon Barkley is it's quads formation. Saquon Barkley, there's four receivers on one side. Saquon Barkley motions. Now that innermost defender ends up blitzing. So Daniel Jones reads that and he knows at that point, and he's going to know anyways, that Daniel Bellinger is going to be open with two blockers in front of him in space because the only closest defender other than those two defenders who are being blocked by giant wide receivers is a safety. So this is an excellent right. read and just a quick bang, bang play from the New York Giants right here and Daniel Jones to get it. Daniel Bellinger who makes a really nice hands catch in space. And in addition to all of that, it may sound, seem simple to you watching on the phone, but I think Jones does a good job of getting this ball, this throw over the defenders crashing down on him and maintaining ball placement to allow Bellinger to create some yards after the catch, which ultimately won't, doesn't always happen. I've seen, you know, it seems simple, but I've seen a lot of quarterbacks miss these throws in the flat. I've also seen a lot of quarterbacks get these balls batted down. 
And I've seen a lot of quarterbacks throw it to the point where the receiver has to like turn around to catch it. He falls down. There's no yards after the catch on this play. He gets it over the up and over the defender who's coming down on him to tip the pass drives the football in here and puts it in a spot where Bellinger can turn with his upfield shoulder and create yards after the catch. So this is another seems simple, but great throw by Daniel Jones. I'm honestly not even hundred percent sure how Josh Bynes doesn't knock this down. If you look on the end yep. zone copy, crazy. It, it looks like Josh Bynes just, it looks like the ball. It's like a Madden glitch and the ball goes through Josh Bynes' hand <laughs> and finds its way to Daniel Bellinger. It, is, it does look like a Madden glitch from that angle, but kudos to Jones because he gets it over the, you know, that over the top filter delivery that he learned with over the years and with Cutcliffe, it really pays off in those types of examples because he can kind of get that ball up and over just over the tip, tip, you know, the tip pass. And I love plays like that, man. Just, just get the ball in your playmakers hands in space essentially and that sets up so this this play i wanted to ask you about because this okay. play confused me to me it seems like the giants are actually designing a throwback screen that got completely foiled and if you watch where daniel jones's eyes kind of go after the snap and then when his decision to run and where he kind of sets up that's kind of what confused me about this play where he sets up in the pocket versus where all the routes are going because all the routes are going toward breaking from left to right at least on our screen from the top to the bottom of the screen but he sets up in a spot that would make that throw even difficult even if he wanted to hit that deep over that's what it definitely looks like to me this could be so for those watching or listening, I should say. It's a play-action pass yeah. where Daniel Jones sets up. Saquon Barkley leaks into the flat, and then there's two routes downfield, and they're both to the way right part of the field. But Daniel Jones stays outside of the left hash. So there's so much space right. between those two routes and Daniel Jones. And if you look and if you stop, the, the Giants keep guys in for protection. David Sills and one of the tight ends stay in for protection. It looks like Daniel Jones is looking to the left side of the field. Like there's right. going to be a route breaking there. I don't know if this was a mistake by Marcus Johnson or if Saquon Barkley was supposed to do something different. I don't think it's on Saquon Barkley. I think this was a mistake from the New York Giants. One of their players, maybe it was Marcus Johnson. And then Daniel Jones realized it was a mistake, saw the rushing lane and then tried to get the yards. But Justin Matabuke ends up sacking him here because Evan Neal kind of falls off Matabuke. Not a huge knock on Evan Neal, but I, I that's what I think happened there. I think that's I think that's exactly right. I think it was a miscommunication in that play that just didn't work out the way that they that Daniel Jones thought it was going to work out. And and then he makes a good decision here. Don't sit in the pocket. Don't let yourself potentially get like a strip sack, even though there really is no defender in sight here against Daniel Jones. But as usual. What's the name we keep saying? Matabuke makes a big play on Look at this play he makes. You're right. He is agile. The way he spun around there and maintained his balance and just broke back toward the quarterback here. Matabuke, uh, 73, try, Neil tries to wash him down, but just is unable to. Even like the way Matabuke uses that outside hand there to, to just shed Neil right there. See how he just lifts it up oh, yeah, right there? Like, right. Like a rip move, and then he spins back inside. If you look at Daniel Jones's eyes, though, Daniel Jones's eyes, they are to the right. He, that's where like his first start to the is. right. Yeah. And then he goes to his left. Maybe at that point, he just thought he saw the, he made the, a decision to run. Yep. Yeah. I think it could just be that, but it is a yeah. little odd because the Ravens were playing the, the play action rollout. They would have their, their ends kind of sit up and, and take the quarterback. Like right here, Clay's Campbell gets double teamed to the ground. If it was a pass that was purely br breaking to the right, I would imagine that Daniel Jones would end up flowing in that direction. Right. And, right. and then instead that's of stopping where, yeah. where he did. So that would be my one, my one uh, question with that, but I think that's a, yeah, it was a good observation. Play. 
on film because he's like you said he sets up inside the left hash but sets up the second 11 they try a little spacing route here uh not not the best ball placement by any means not great timing not not a great situation here for the giants by any means so i think this is on darius slayton i could be okay. wrong here Runs but if you look route. at no not well just from a positioning standpoint if you look at the pre-snap leverage of the baltimore ravens you you have space to hit where that where the outside linebacker is. So Darius Slayton is outside of the numbers and he basically just runs a curl route, but he curls inside towards number 21, I believe it is. I think Daniel Jones thought he was going to sit because the cornerback's pre-snap right. leverage is off and to the outside. And then post-snap, that is confirmed. So the cornerback over Darius Slayton is allowing for a quick hitch, is allowing for a quick curl, but what he's not what the coverage is not necessarily allowing for is for anything to break inside because number 21 is just flowing in that direction kind of hastily. So I think Daniel Jones wanted Darius Slayton to stop right on a dime instead of flowing inside a little bit. And that's what kind of screwed the timing up. That would be my guess. But if you want to see something good about this play, and that was a great breakdown and observation by you, Nick, because I think that's actually true. I think the ball's placed in a certain spot. If you want to see something good about this play, watch Evan Neal. And actually, it looked a little worse from that angle. <laughs> but I think he it looked like he kind of got his arms wrapped around him. But first, it looked like, let's take a look at this. I mean, it works. It works. I'll sign up for this. Especially if you call the hold, I guess. Um, I mean, you could, but I don't think so. You're not grabbing jersey and pulling or yeah. anything. That's more like a little bit of a hug. But look how patient Evan Neal is with his hands here. Like, this is right. Clayus Campbell. Man, this is intimidating. Clayus Campbell lands the first move, and he tries to club and then swim back inside. And that's when Evan Neal just snaps and gets his hands right on the chest and then just kind of, like, puts his inside shoulder right into Clayus Campbell. Like, that's not going to get called, more than likely. Like, he's like again, he's not grabbing the jersey or anything like that. So it's more of a little bit of a bear hug, but... Hey, I'll sign up for that. And then you have Andrew Thomas just shutting it's down. Good Jay power Taylor. at the point of attack too. You know, it's a good, it's a, good, yeah. it's a, it's a good base there. And the rest of the press protection is also worth commending here because they, the rest of the Giants do an excellent job, especially Andrew Thomas. I think twenty one does a really good job here though for the Ravens because the Giants yes. do so much of this. I'm going to send a route at you, outside linebacker or apex defender. I believe just this is Brandon. Out. Brandon Stevens, yep. just to occupy you. And Stevens yep. flows outside and kind of reads Daniel Jones's eyes the entire yeah, time. That's a great take. Great job yeah. by 21 there. Not to give Brandon. them too much credit. But then that sets up for this third and 11 play. Um, and so this is, I thought, a great example of the of a couple things here. The Giants using stack receivers at the line of scrimmage against off coverage to create this opportunity. Daniel Jones manipulating the pocket here. I thought he does a great job manipulating the pocket here, getting away from pressure, delivers the ball. And this is an example, you know, of Wondell Robinson at the catch point. Matt Waldman, actually, the guy I referenced earlier, did a great breakdown of this and his technique at the catch point. But this is an issue here because this ball can't be dropped and it's dropped because of his technique at the catch point. It is. It is. It's not the best technique. I thought the throw was also a little bit behind. It probably could have been a better throw him, for sure. But you have to catch that as a as a professional wide receiver. And I love. I yeah. just love the fact that the Giants and a lot of NFL teams. Do, you see, it's a little bit behind. A lot of NFL teams do this. They use the stack to create these free releases. You release the the yeah. guy who's on the line of scrimmage to occupy one defender, and then you just release the other wide receiver off of it. So Wanda Robinson in these situations, he's not getting pressed. He's off the line of scrimmage. He gets a free exactly. release. And you give him a free release into space like he is here. Like that's a that's a ball that should have been caught. He has leverage on the defender who is there, and it's a little bit behind. Yeah, but Wando Robinson just doesn't catch it. Needs to secure it's, that. But it's a little behind it. But look, as you can see, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Nick. No, you're you good. Want to finish. But as no, you no, can see good. there, it's a little behind him. But look at him. Look at how the ball comes in on him. That's the issue here. It's the catch technique. The ball should not be coming into your body like that. You need to put your hands out and catch that ball 
you need to attack that football. That's basically what they say. Always attack the football. And he's just not attacking the football here. It's letting, he's letting it come into his body here. That's why it's not caught. Yeah, 100%. Again, palms up. Why are the palms up, too? That's the other thing that just surprises me about his technique at the catch point. And it's something like you said, man, it's something that we did see at Kentucky. This isn't new. Like yeah. he was a body catcher and he wasn't somebody who had great natural hands in terms of just being a hands catcher, plucking away from your body. He's five foot seven right. with, with like nine inch hands and nine inch yeah. hands. Like, again, that's like 20th percentile, I think is what I saw when, when I looked it up before. It's not the worst, but it's not, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. It's not, it's not receivers like that who can just pluck and trust their hands and trust their right. grip strength. Mondo Robinson doesn't have that. He yeah, doesn't, he's not physical in that nature. Yeah. But that's maybe something he'll work on because grip strength is a big reason. I always listen to Odell Beckham talking about like what, you know, interviews and what made him special grip strength was one thing that Odell Beckham worked on over and over and over in the off season and within his training. And it's a big reason why he was able to make a lot of those incredible catches and also just hold on to balls, at the catch point. you got to attack the football, but in this situation, you know, dropping this pass this is a third and 11, a really good read by Daniel Jones, a really good job manipulating the pocket. He gets the ball. Yeah. It's a little behind his receiver, but it's still in a place that can be caught. And that's the difference between extending a drive and then having a punt on a drive. So it ultimately is a big play. But one final thing I want to say on that, Nick, what I found interesting, because we talked about, you know, how they use that stacked uh, formation against the off coverage right there. That's something I actually saw the Titans use against the Giants in week one with Traylon Burks on a very, very similar route design, route combination from the two players to get him running across the formation wide open. The off coverage guy, I think it was a Dory Jackson at the time, had no time to catch up to him and they hit a big play on it. So I think that was kind of interesting just to see the Titans use against the Giants and the Giants came back to something. It wasn't the exact play, but it was a similar route combination right there. It's pretty ubiquitous in terms of yeah. being being used against man coverage, and everybody knows the Giants love to run man coverage, and so do the Ravens even a little bit. It's not right. like they're averse to running man coverage, and I felt like Dable and Kafka had a lot of man beaters built in, and that was one of them right there. Just take advantage of space. Like if you're going to be in off coverage, we're gonna we're gonna get our playmaker into space over the middle of the field, and good luck trying to cover him on that angle. And he was open. And he he should have been caught. Yeah, they didn't right. exactly with a drop. That that's just on the receiver. So now we come back here and the Giants go on a 14 play 59 yard field goal drive. At this point, it is 13 to seven Ravens. So they're starting to build a little bit of a lead. The Giants need to put some points on the board. They go 14 plays, 59 yards bogged down in the red zone, which we'll get to. But there are a lot of good takeaways from this drive as well. Nick, if you're I mean, if listeners, if you're watching, you see a, a six yard play to start with some really excellent job, uh, some excellent blocks. I thought on this specifically follow 68 here, Ben Bredesen as a puller who does a great job. And obviously as something that you pointed out, uh, Nick on this play, it's also an excellent block here by Bellinger coming around. Yeah. So this is a counter run big personnel. Look, Tyree Phillips is in the game here. So this isn't a tight. Yeah, I love to see Tyree <laughs> right Phillips in the game, my dude. Like I'm so Revenge happy game. they did it against his former team. First of all, I'm happy that I've me. I'm a big Tyree Phillips fan. I thought on, you know, his college film, he had some upside and I'm glad that they can find a way to use what he can offer as a blocker, especially in the run game in situations like they found in this game. And it worked too. I mean, this is a nice hole right yep. here. It's a counter run. So Daniel Jones really opens is. up to the one side. They fake, they fake essentially the Giants counter run. You pull two guys to the front side of the play. And initially it's going to look to the defense like you're running on another side. So Daniel Jones opens up to his left, hands the football off to his right. And then Saquon Barkley just follows his blockers. And again, man, if you look at Chris Myrick, who is the 
end tight end to the left side of the screen here for those watching on YouTube. This is another clip that just does not get called. Like this is going to eventually get called. The Giants do this almost every single week right here. Watch him yeah. take out Josh Bynes. That's a clip that should not happen. <laughs> right. It's actually supposed to be a what? 10, 15 yard penalty. I believe so. Yeah. So that that's one that the Giants got away with once again. But I love the lead block from Ben Bredesen. And I think uh, Saquon Barkley just does a good job picking up six here. 56. He's like, what the fuck, man, that's supposed to be a clip. But um, <laughs> it worked. The Giants got six yards. And so they go back to the run here on second and four. And this is just an excellent, block, a perfectly blocked play here. This is insane right here. It's a second and four run. And Ben Bredesen pulls from the front side to help Daniel Bellinger out. And Ben Bredesen, as the play side guard, annihilates Josh Bynes. This poor guy gets clipped, and then he just gets unearthed on this play. If anybody hasn't seen it, go to my Twitter. I posted it this morning on Monday, October 17th. Ben Bredesen uproots this dude. And, and you know what? Bynes actually does a good job initially positioning himself outside to box the run inside. If you watch this play, yes. watch how Josh Bynes gets outside of Daniel Bellinger's right. shoulder. Yep. He gets outside of Daniel Bellinger's shoulder. And then Daniel Bellinger does a good job, not trying to force him back inside or anything. Daniel Bellinger just runs with it and he just tries uses to push. Momentum, right? Uses the momentum. Great savvy play by Daniel Bellinger to open up this hole. And Ben Bredesen is just like, all right, I'll help my, my rookie tight end out. And he just Boom. absolutely murders this dude, man. It's very, very fun to watch for those who have not seen it yet. But this is great blocking on a second and four play from the New York Giants pick up this first down. And again, look at these backside blocks. The backside yes. blocks are one of the keys to the New York Giants yes. rushing attack. John Feliciano eliminates Patrick Queen. You have Evan Neal take out number 96 right here. And that's allows Saquon Barkley to get in the space. So the tackling defender is safety Kyle Hamilton. Just great blocking from the New York Giants. And even run it back because I think, yeah, shout out football grump who pointed, out, pointed this out on Twitter. Like even Myrick, look at Myrick going up against 97. Brent Irvin, a 306 pound defensive lineman does a good job not getting destroyed and letting Brent Irvin blow this play up. It's a great play. You need a, a lot of core strength here. You need a lot of strength here by Chris Myrick to block yeah. down. And it's a, it's a down block, but even still, man, like, like Saquon Barkley runs right off the ass of Chris right. Myrick. Here. Myrick. He runs yep. right off the ass of him. And you're right. This is Brent Urban's gigantic. So that's an excellent block. And shout out Grump. Grump's, Grump's a fun follow on Twitter. For those who don't, you should. Yeah, check out Football Grump. He's got great analysis, but I mean, this was a great point by him because he's outmatched by 50, 60 pounds there, uh, Myrick, and he does a great job there. And we move on to to a first yes. in 10 weak side run that goes for a minus two yard loss here by the New York Giants. And this is a double Y set. Giants try running boundary weak side. Oh, and yeah. Josh Bynes, you know, at the two consecutive. And look at Bynes. He sees the alert by DJ post snap. He shifts the defense. It doesn't go at all. Like you watch DJ try to alert, go the other way with it. It feels like they just flip the run to the other side and at least that's how I think of it in Madden terms. Um, and I feel like that could be the case. And you can watch Bynes before point to the other linebacker, like with his right hand, like go this way. And then he takes that gap, shoots it and takes and takes out Breida. And that sets up a second and 12, Dan, where I feel like Matt Breida on this play. Yeah. Another great blitz pickup, man. Another great blitz pickup. Good by recognition. Good pickup. Good pickup. And then Daniel Jones ends up finding, Richie James in the flat for eight yards. But again, I don't know if this play happens. You have a free rusher coming right in at Daniel Jones. And I don't know if it's coaching. I'm not really 100% sure what exactly it is. It could just be progression. Matt Breida wasn't here last year, obviously. But Saquon Barkley is so much better in pass yeah, protection this right. season. And, and it so came the recognition like, is where it really stands out. They're so much better at recognizing where to go. You motion Richie James out 
And Daniel Jones does a really good job kind of seeing what the coverage is and then firing exactly. the football. This was the example of what I was talking about earlier when I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, where I think Jones has done a better job of understanding some pre-snap leverage from, you know, where to where to attack pre-snap based on the leverage of the defense. He knows that he can he can get this play off and get this ball into space to James, and he can set himself up for a third and manageable situation. Because pre-snap, if you look right here, it looks like this could be quarters, right? You have four guys right. who with the two outside guys kind of in a in a quarter turn towards the towards the offense. So it looks like it could be quarters or it could be too high. It, you're not 100% sure, but then right before the snap, you have that buzz defender kind of go down. And now it's going to be cover three, middle of the field close with Kyle Hamilton as that single high safety. So what's a place to exploit whenever you're going up against cover three? You exploit the flat. So Daniel Jones catches this ball and he flashes his eyes to number 36 and sees he's nowhere near the flat. He sees that Marcus Peters has about 10 yards on Richie James. So he just takes what's there. Richie James does a good job. And I'm wondering if this is a choice route or what exactly this is. If Richie James is reading the leverage and if, if he has a choice in it, I'm not really entirely sure, but this is the perfect route against this coverage. And Daniel Jones knows where to go with the football. And if it was a choice route, Richie James knows what to do when he is in his route based on the coverage that he sees. Exactly. And this is an example of, you know, it's not always a bad thing for a quarterback to be really decisive with this pre-snap read. And this is something Greg Cosell talked about in the offseason. It's something he really liked about watching Daniel Jones film. He felt like he was really decisive, especially on the third down situations. And if you know that you have that, if you know you can get this ball into this space right here and get this easy completion, it's okay to be so decisive pre-snap with your read because you made the decision before the snap and Based on the leverage the Ravens have here and based on the set, the setup of the defense, like you said, there's no real way, in my mind at least, for this to not be open on this choice route. Like, there's If you're breaking toward the outside, there's so much space to work with there for the receiver. And Marcus Peters is way too far off in a backpedal to right. come down and make a play on that football right there. Exactly. And that sets up... A key, you know, that sets up the third and four that gives them a chance to create a play that's easier to convert here. And the Giants do exactly that. A little bit of mesh here. Again, like you pointed out, another really good pickup by Matt Breida. Good location. Good job getting Queen out of the play. And then delivers a, a good delivery by Daniel Jones and a pickup by Daniel, D Daniel Bellinger for the first down. Daniel Bellinger getting these valuable targets. And for those watching on YouTube, you can see what Breida does. I think you see it better here. You have to diagnose where Patrick Queen is coming and who's coming on the blitz. Because if you look, it looks like Marcus Peters is the guy coming on the blitz right at the snap. Right. But then it ends up being Patrick Queen. And look at Brita's eyes. Brita diagnoses it. So 96 slants inside of John Feliciano. And then 97, Brent Urban, who is over the top of the left guard, slants outside. What is that going to do? It's going to open up the A-gap. So you need your running back to diagnose that blitz coming there. It's something that we talk about extensively with Link Martindale, who does the same thing to manipulate protection packages. Only this time, it's one defender against one offensive blocker in Matt Breida. Matt Breida fills that A-gap very well. And then he doesn't only fill the A-gap, he pushes Patrick Queen out of the pocket. Right. right. That's a great a blitz pickup. That is a great play from Matt Breida. Daniel Jones just steps into the pocket, flows to his left a little bit, and finds Daniel Bellinger coming open to convert and get the Giants into another first down situation. And the money situations are third downs, like we just saw, and red zone. And that's where the Giants have really been utilizing, designing plays for Daniel Bellinger, connecting on plays with Daniel Bellinger. He's producing. He's executing the plays when they're asked of him. And that's a big sign. You know, he's a rookie in his first six games of his career, and he's being utilized on the money downs, the third downs, the red zone. And so I so wanted to point that out because that was another example of him on third down coming up with a big conversion to keep a drive alive where the Giants ultimately get three points that they need in this game.
there was one point when we were like, is Matt Breida going to make this team? I don't think we were really saying that on the podcast. No. We were maybe like floating it out there lightly, but you can see, man, even It'll though it was one, yeah, because he wasn't yeah. there in preseason, Saquon Barkley is so valuable to this team and he ha- he has one of the best workloads in terms of fantasy football for a running back that you'd ever want. But Matt Breida is still, despite that, a valuable asset that we talk about in every All-22 episode because he makes little plays here and there that help in these long touchdown drives. Yep, you nailed it, Nick. Okay, so we move on into this drive here. We got a little two-yard run by by uh, by Saquon Barkley here. This is an example of what you kind of touched on a little bit earlier. John Feliciano beating the run game here. Um, pretty much blows the play up. Yeah, that, that play did not go anywhere because John Feliciano just got stacked and violently shedded by number 96 of the Baltimore Ravens, which set up a second and eight run right here, which was essentially just, I believe, an outside zone type of run where Saquon Barkley tried to cut it back. But I feel like the Ravens second level defenders do a really good yeah, job kind of expanding and, and, and yeah, playing this really well. And that sets every up gap accounted for. Yeah, every gap um, accounted for. They're shifting with the Giants blockers. They're not yep. allowing the Giants blockers to win at the point of attack. And we see this third and five right here, though, where the Giants go out and empty. So Dan is really happy. It's it's empty at Jace. You have two wing backs essentially, right. but there's there's no running back right next to Daniel Jones. And I like the the concept at the top of the screen. You have like a scissors type of concept almost with a stack again, where you run the the wide receiver who is on the line of scrimmage on a on a deep flag route but then you kind of angle him back up the sidelines and then you have the the wide receiver off the line of scrimmage basically just run a flag route off the ass of Richie James's flag route trying to just flood that zone while also having I think it's Chris Myrick or Daniel Bellinger leak into the flash you create like a three level read essentially to that side of the field on this third and five but Daniel Jones just finds Saquon Barkley and yeah, this was a four-yard gain, and this was when Ben Bredesen and Oa get into it, right. and Oa takes Stupid a dumb penalty, which, yeah. which should have been a penalty, too. At first, I was like, ah, let him just go at it, but then I'll show it here on the All-22. When you watch the fight, Oa punches Bredesen in the face after taking his helmet off. Like You can see Oa has his helmet. Now, he didn't Miles Garrett and try to pound him in the head with it, but you can see right here, he he punches Bredesen in the face. He like, shoves Bredesen's face right there, and then Bredesen gets shoved from somebody else. So I think it that's was an easy uh, justified. It's an easy What's call that? for refs. Flip back. I said, yeah. yeah, that's an easy call for the refs. You guys could see it watching in the film. Flip back to that play, though. I want to point out something that I thought was just an, an observation I made, and I'm curious to get your take on. Go back to the play from the other angle, if you can, the sideline angle. So the chip and release here from Bellinger and from Barkley. I want to talk about these two. So I love the way that Bellinger releases versus the way Barkley releases on this play. So once you release, I wish that Barkley had actually flipped his hips the other way and opened up toward the middle of the field there to allow that pass. Because I think if you watch Bellinger's focusing on 82 here, the way he breaks out here, you get the ball there to Bellinger. If you do, he has a much better chance of creating yards after the catch than Barkley, who opens up toward the sideline here to come out of that that chip and then after he catches the football he's either going to get taken down in my opinion by the defender breaking on him or the pass is going to be kind of like high and hot like this one and he can't really corral it in right but if he opens his hip after that chip toward the inside i think it gives him a better chance of catching the football and then having a two-way option with while looking you know well having his body position upfield to then make a defender miss versus here where his body is positioned toward the sideline toward kind of the line of scrimmage and it makes it a lot more difficult for him to create after the catch yeah i mean i I know what you're saying but 
the way Barkley engages his block. Cause yeah, it's a, a little bit shoulder. different than Bellinger. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Cause Barkley has a bum shoulder at this point. So he's engaging. Yeah, that's the also block. true. He can't yeah. really use his outside shoulder. That's a good point. So if he were to do it the other way, then definitely, but there was really no way for him to like flip it and release the same way Daniel Bellinger does without it being really awkward and taking too much time without using that right shoulder. Correct. Yeah. Which he didn't want to do. It's a good point. Sets up a first and 10 again, big personnel, man. That's another thing I love about this team. Yeah. They, 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 they love to use big personnel. Jason, to use it. Jason Garrett loved to use it too. Only the Giants are actually successful when they use it, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they were not successful. I feel like Jason it. Garrett used it in a more obvious way than the way the Giants use it. Like even on the, the full house play, that was heavy personnel, but that was not a formation we saw Jason Garrett use. Jason Garrett used very similar formations despite using bigger personnel packages. So yeah, I agree. Well, the, well, the Giants will run weak side off big personnel off right. like they do right here. Like this is just a halfback pitch where you you pull the play side guard in the center and then you block 93 down with David Sills. Pin pull concept. Andrew Thomas kicks out the end man on the line of scrimmage right there, number 40. And then Saquon Barkley explodes into space right here. Uh, phrasing? Just going off the ass of a double team block on, on some linebacker, Josh Bynes. Phrasing. Uh, picks up a good chunk of yardage on this play. Yeah. It's a nice eight yard gain there. Really well blocked. I mean, he even has a chance if he wants to there to make that cut immediately and get vertical and potentially crease that thing. I know he doesn't. He falls on off the ass of those blockers, which is great too, but there was opportunity for more even there. And this is kind of what Brian Dable was taught or Saquon Barkley was praising Kafka and Dable for like stick to the run. Like we're in the second half exactly. right now. The Giants are down, but they're still running the football. And guess what? They're they're running it well. They're they're getting big chunk yes. plays right here. And Saquon Barkley does a good job, kind of juking. Just oh, if this play was blocked a little out. better with with the with the receivers on this play. This could have been a touchdown. Yeah, those receivers think the play is hitting the uh, the ah, the B you. gap right B there. Gap. Yep. So you could see that the the Giants at this point, John Feliciano is out of the game. So Josh Azudu is now in the game, and Josh Azudu pulls to the play side and. I feel like the Ravens do a good job of 40 and six filling this B gap. Right. Eliminate Josh Azudu, but you can see Patrick Queen fill and then look at Saquon Barkley, just kind of juke right around him right there yep. and leave Patrick Queen in the dust. And then Saquon Barkley's just so fantastic that he ends up picking up extra yardage, despite the fact that the play had totally broken down and the blockers right. were, were blocking in another, in another method. They thought the play was going inside, obviously. Well said. And that sets up a second and five here, Nick. And this is what I was thinking before this play, before we run this play. So we talked earlier on the reaction podcast about how what we really liked about the Giants touchdown to Daniel Bellinger is that it came after the Giants had set them up with a lot of runs in a row. And it was a really well-designed play because the defense was guessing run. I felt like here the Giants just had three straight successful runs. And then they come out in the gun with the fast four, with the RPO. And it's just like I would have actually liked to see them stay under center, stay in that heavy personnel, and run very similar play to what they ultimately ran on the touchdown or something off of play action here to kind of build off of the runs you had showed. They obviously felt like they they you know they had a design to a different kind of design that could get them points here, but that was and this came, it comes after this play or no it was even after this play after the second and five sorry so it was one more run and then that's the play I'm talking about. Yeah no yeah yeah. I got you. And this is just a, uh, that was just a nice this run by right Saquon here. Barkley. So you have yeah. another nice run just to substantiate your point. You had another nice run by Saquon Barkley. who's like on that play, you can see him dancing around a bunch of defenders and everything. And now you align in a 11, 11 personnel. I think this, no, this is 
10 person. No, no, it's 11 personnel because Daniel Bellinger is up right. at the top Bellinger's of the screen as the number line. one wide receiver because that's how the Giants just roll right here. Three by one set, you run Saquon Barkley as that fast four. And you can see right here, Daniel Jones attempts to outrun the, the end man on the line of scrimmage who crashes and just ends up hitting Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones ends up throwing this away. But this isn't the quarterback draw that we saw before. Right. I think Daniel Jones was faking into the quarterback draw and was trying to find Marcus Johnson over the middle of the field who was on Marcus Peters. But it just ends up not happening right there because the the Ravens end up bringing a guy who's unaccounted Johnson for. has a really nice release, by the way. Watch Johnson's release against Marcus Peters at the bottom of your screen if you're watching. You can even see it better here from the end zone angle right here. Nick Flash the clicker. It's a nice release. It looks a little better from the other angle. But that ball, you know, there's obviously no safety in the middle of the field. If there's any time, Jones could probably hit that for an easy touchdown. There is no time. But I just felt like it was a little cute to go to this play call at this stage after you're just running it down their throats. Like, I don't, I prefer play action in this spot, but I'd rather be under center, set it up where it looks like a run, kind of like they did on the Bellinger touchdown, and then surprise them with the pass. I'm wondering, I'm still wondering if this was going to end up being a, a quarterback draw. Just watching the and blocking, it looks like they're out of it. Yeah. It looks like they're kind of pass blocking a little bit. At least Ben Bredesen looks like he's pass blocking at center right there, but he could just be sustaining trying to open up lanes. But you have double teams with Josh Azudu and, and Andrew Thomas right there driving guys vertically. So there might have been a run with just an RPO tag with with Johnson. And once Daniel Jones saw the unblocked defender right in his face, he just committed to the pass, but good play by the Baltimore Ravens to set up now a third and five try for the New York Giants where Josh Azudu gets beat pretty bad by a twist. Yeah, and so we'll go over this play. It's not a good rep for Josh Azudu who's forced into the game. And clearly right now, Josh Azudu is just not ready to play in the NFL. But I will say this, Nick, as I watch the play, and you could back it up, I think that he's got to pull the trigger here to Marcus Johnson here, who is in my mind, uh, or no, I'm sorry, not Marcus Johnson. I'm thinking of the play before, Darius Slayton here. So I would love to see Jones pull the trigger here to Slayton. You can see even as you roll it back, 24, who's out of position before the snap. I'm sorry, not 24, uh, 14, who's out of position before the snap, really is just in no man's land and doesn't really have, and, and Darius Slayton's basically wide open with no one on him. Well, he has the backside safety who kind of undercuts it. To me, what, what happened on this play was Marcus Johnson and Darius Slayton are running intermediate routes crossing the field, which is something that the Giants do all the time. And Daniel Jones is looking for Marcus Johnson, who would have been open here if he didn't run into Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton is running around like a chicken with his head 14, cut off, just right. like you said. He's number 14, you could see. Marcus Johnson, that's where Daniel Jones wants to go here. There. I know that's where Jones wants to go before the snap. I get it. He He has that. He's determined that before the snap. But I don't really see how 14 is going to get to Slayton if he just catches this there's way a, earlier than all this. All there's, these a safety, and everything. there's a safety right here, though, no, to, the, to the bottom right of this. No, I'm not talking about leading into the safety. It's just a quick rip right here, like right here. Just rip that ball right toward basically where the underline is of the Giants. Yeah, it's, that's a tough throw. There's a lot of bodies in, in that though, area. But none I, of the think, bodies are going to get. It's got to be earlier, though. It's not like this, this deep into the play. Let's take a look maybe from the other angle right here. No, that's that doesn't show where Slayton is on this play. Uh, let's no, see. Well, yeah, it, it does right no, here. Like kind of cut off. Yeah, right there. Just right there. Kind of just look. It's it's a tight window there for sure. But if you throw that ball in a certain spot, fourteen is not going to get there. Nah, I mean, I think that's way too risky. You don't know if fourteen is working over the top of Daniel Bellinger's release here. I think Jones. It ends up taking the sack mainly because Azudu gets beat by that twist, as you guys can see who watch it on YouTube. But he's waiting just to see Marcus. Marcus Johnson is going to cross, and then he's going to be open if he can avoid the traffic 
of, of Kyle Hamilton, in my opinion. And Geno Stone is that underneath defender, but Geno Stone, you could see right there, 26, paying attention to Saquon Barkley underneath. So he gets removed by Saquon Barkley's route. Marcus Johnson is just going to be aligned up against number 24 right there, running to basically the back pylon. I think that was the goal of the play, but it ends up just getting foiled. Yeah, that's fair. We just have a different interpretation of it. I mean, look, I don't think it's, I'm not knocking Jones by any means. It's not, like you said, it's a risky throw to make, sort of. I, I don't know how risky it is, though. Like, I just feel like if you rip that ball, there's there's it's going to be really tough. But I guess, like you said, even that backside safety there who had responsibility for Barkley, it looks like on the play coming out, could have potentially broken on the pass. I don't know. It's a tight window for sure. It's risky. I mean, all red zone throws to me are risky, though. That's the thing. If there's a little opening there to get that ball to Slayton, it is what it is. I think I would just personally prefer you pull the trigger on it because he doesn't really have anyone on him at the time. But like you said, there's a lot of risk there. Kyle Hamilton, he could he could be thinking Kyle Hamilton could break toward that or the other safety there, Geno Stone. So that was a field goal drive. The Giants end up getting three. And now it sets up the 12 or the seven, the seventh drive, 12 plays, 75 yards for a touchdown right here. Just another huge defining drive for this New York Giants offense in the second half. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, it's 13 personnel, two tight ends on one side, one on the other. And Feliciano just doesn't, 76 is a liability on this play. Yeah, he's back in the game after getting injured and he ends up kind of holding. He's getting pushed back. It feels like he's just losing depth a lot in the run game. It does seem like that. I do like how the Giants go tempo on the second and 10 because they gain nothing. And then they just do a rollout and then a quick. Yeah, this is a play. It's a great play. Yeah. Use tempo, get the keep the Ravens personnel where they were and then go with the play action roll Saquon Barkley and Daniel Bellinger coming from the backside as the sniffer and then just get the ball to Daniel Bellinger quick and easy efficient pick up six yards so little plays like this man they they're not going to fill the stat sheet all that much they're not going to jump out at you but I feel like every game Kafka dials up little plays like this and it's the difference between being in third and ten and third and four and just think about it from this standpoint, Nick, right? Little plays like this that are easy, design, rollout, option for the quarterback, or, you know, just get that dump down. It was similar last season when the Giants found themselves in these situations like second and long ago. They wanted to do similar things. They wanted to find like easy designs to get them five or six yards and set them up for third and manageable. But they went about it in such a different way. They would run spacing and stick routes to try to get them there. And so it's just such a different philosophy from what the Garrett Judge offense was, where when they got into those second and longs, they had a different approach for trying to get those yards. The Giants feel like, they're, in my opinion, it feels like this Giants offense is designing different ways that are just more high i don't want to say they're more high percentage ways of creating five or six yards absolutely no you're you're 100 right there it sets up two man this this third and four where the giants confirm man coverage they they motion saquon barkley back in you see the defense shift a little bit you can see that the giants are in a two by two stack everything tight so the presupposition of it being a man coverage middle of the field closed defense is confirmed, especially at the snap. And watch at the snap. The Giants run mesh and then two horizontal crossing routes. And on a third and four, Jones throws it about 16 yards downfield for an 18-yard gain to Marcus Johnson on the deep intermediate cross. And I'm going to pause it right here for those watching on YouTube. Look at all the traffic. If you, if you, For those not watching on the YouTube, A, the pocket is beautiful. Daniel Jones can step up into this pocket. You have four routes with five defenders, all inside of the hashes at one point in this play. So there's so much traffic. There are receivers running in the defensive backs. There's confusion for the Baltimore Ravens. Daniel Jones stays calm and he knows that Marcus Johnson already has won. So just allow Marcus Johnson at this point to get into his route and get 
vertical while moving laterally. And that's exactly what happens. And Marcus Johnson makes his catch for 18 yards against number 22. And take a look at it from the end zone angle because you can see Jones does a great job manipulating the pocket, understanding that he has this that he has the space to step into this ball. And then watch the ball released from his hand. This is a very nice throw, in my opinion, just from an aesthetic standpoint. Look at that ball. It's layered very nicely into, into space with anticipation. I mean, it's not doesn't there is no yards after the catch on this one because the defensive back is in pretty solid coverage there. Um, but Jones just does a great job, in my opinion, of navigating the pocket, stepping into it and then throwing that ball with a nice touch into that spot. Look at those watching on YouTube. Look, look at look at all those bodies in between right. the hashes right here. And Daniel Jones, perfectly clean. Nine pocket. guys between the, the hashes at that point. Nine total players. Insane. And Evan Neal does a great job right here on the outside, just kind of washing. I think that's a Dafe Owe up the arc. You got great blocking to the left side as well. You got three blockers against two. Saquon Barkley's also in the protection, and he ends up leaking out to occupy number 40 underneath. So just a great overall play on third and four by the New York Giants. Huge. I mean, look, that's an 18-yard play on a third and four. You hear after the game, Brian Dable speaks so highly of Daniel Jones, and he talks about these fourth-quarter drives. It's plays like that, man. Like, look, he... <laughs> He, he, he said, like, any quarterback wants to 60, 60 times a game and rip bombs all day and throw these huge explosive plays. But that may not be the most explosive play ever, but it's a really good play, and it's an 18-yard conversion, and he's creating plays that, that Dable wants to keep this offense moving through the passing game. This was more than any other game this week through the traditional passing game. Do you hear the comments from Coach Dable? Like about he had a little snip to the to the media about Daniel Jones. Oh, that's something what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like, yeah, Daniel Jones is making a lot of throws. Like, yeah, again. Oh yeah, like he did it again. <laughs> like <laughs> basically saying, like, like he's talking pretty highly of Daniel Jones right now. Right. I hope Daniel Jones can continue to live up to it. For sure, and he certainly did on that play because it was an excellent play. It sets up after that where where we set up here. I lost my. Yeah, yeah, yeah the pin first and okay. ten pin pull to to Saquon Barkley, where Justin Matabuke again just kind of owns Andrew Thomas on yeah. this play. Andrew Thomas is the pinning offensive lineman, allowing play side guard Ben Bredesen and center John Feliciano to pull around him, and Matabuke just stays low and spins right off of Andrew. He he makes Andrew Thomas look silly, and I don't say His that with any kind of joy. of hand usage, agility, and agility, and obviously then just size and power is insane. He's a really freaking good player, this Matabuka. I didn't really know about him going into this game. Now I know him. Look at the spin. Look at the spin and how he uses that initial inside arm yes. to club Andrew Thomas to create that separation, come off, and then find Saquon Barkley for the tackle. Very, very impressive play. Phenomenal but still, right there. yeah, exactly. And I think Bredesen was tripped on that play. I have that in my notes. And uh, that was a minus two-yard gain to set up a second and 12 where Wondell Robinson makes a really impressive catch here. But again, look, he's clapping it, Dan. He's clapping it. Yep, watch him at the catch point here. You don't want him to, you want him to just attack, put his hands out, attack with the diamond. Like, th this is not what you're looking for overall if you want consistency, but this is what he is, and this is what we saw in Kentucky film as well. But uh, obviously, it's, I'm sure the coaches aren't looking at this. Like, there, there's got to be some teaching points, I'm sure, from the coaches they're trying to look. But either way, I really like the route from Robinson here. Look at the feet, look at his ability to understand space there and to get into a spot for Daniel Jones to throw the football to him. And again, Good job by Daniel Jones here. Look, these are not 40-yard bombs downfield or anything, but these are nice intermediate throws using the middle of the field. Good route concepts, too. To the top of the screen, it's a yes. two-by-two set with Saquon Barkley to the field side. The top of the screen is the field side. It's post 
wheel, wheel from the number two, post from the number one receivers common in, in Mike Kafka and Brian Dable's playbook. So that's going to clear out the the field side. And then you just run Saquon Barkley to sit at about midfield to occupy to occupy defenders, the second level defenders. And now from the backside, you just run two in routes from Marcus Johnson and Wandale Robinson. Wandale Robinson gets behind those underneath defenders right where that safety was just cleared out by the post route. Daniel Jones delivers a ball a little bit behind, but caught by Wandale Robinson. And this isn't the first time on this drive that they use post wheel to clear out other other routes that come from the backside. It's something that I love about this offense and this offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think what you said is great there. It's the backside route where he goes to, even though they're using the front side, the, the the post wheel to kind of free that up. But one thing about this play, go back to that play real quick that I wanted to point out here that I thought was excellent. Yeah, the throw was definitely a little bit behind. It's probably not the best throw by, by any means of Jones's game, but watch Jones' movement. Go to the end zone angle if you can. Watch Jones' movement and manipulation of the pocket here on this play from the end zone angle because that's what really stands out to me. And he's done a really good job of improving in this regard, specifically over the last two weeks. There's a little bit of pushback here on Feliciano. He resets the pocket there. When I've talked about the, through the oh, past, yeah. the ability to just subtly slide and re-step the pocket, this is the exact example of what I've tried to convey over the podcast over the years. He understands that he does not need to go crazy there just because there's a little bit of pressure coming around the edge, a little bit of pressure pushing back Feliciano. It just seems to always get pushed back. He reset. He slides a little bit to his right, resets, finds a new throwing lane, and delivers the football. That's That's exactly as it should be coached. That is a great play and very good analysis by you, Dan. And also look at Glowinski looking for work. Boom, just takes out yeah. Adafe Owe to help the rookie out. So you love to see that kind of team blocking on the offensive side of the football. No offense, man, to John Feliciano, like whatever. It's They picked him up for nothing and he's doing a good job of playing all the snap, like playing as much as he can. He makes a few flash plays in the run game here and there. But I just can't wait, man, Nick, until we get a really good center in here. I really hope that's something Joe Shane has in mind in the near future, because I think a really good center could take this offensive line to the next level. I think so too. Uh, I would say though, man, with, with John Feliciano, and I do agree, I think it's similar to Mark Lewinsky, but I do believe both of these guys are very, very quick footed as, as run yes. blockers, man. Like even on a play, like the one that we're showing right now, pin pull concept where the center is pulling along with the play side tackle and Andrew Thomas, and they're pulling around Wandell Robinson and David Sills block. He gets outside and then cuts off the angle of Patrick Queen and then just creates a right. wall to to disallow Patrick Queen from getting any penetration or any kind of push into Saquon Barkley. So plays like that, I appreciate. But he's a replacement-level center. He's not the guy that the Giants are building around, obviously. I think that was really good analysis, and I think you show it here in this clip for those watching on YouTube. And I don't feel like my gripes with him at all are really in the run game, with the exception of when he's matched up with a nose guard right over yeah. the top of him, and he can just kind of just bull rush him and bully him. But in the pass game, or really and whenever he's in pass protection, that's really when the issues come up to me. I just know that Daniel Jones is the type of quarterback that it's similar to Eli when Eli was here during his career. It actually is more important in my mind for Daniel Jones to have interior pocket integrity, like the interior line in pass protection versus the exterior, because I think eventually, as he's shown signs of already, he's going to improve with his pocket manipulation, with his pocket presence, and with his resetting the pocket, where he can step up through kind of exterior pressure. It's the interior pressure that, for a quarterback like him, you don't want him to have to get into the situation where he has to start rolling to his right again, because he's never good in that spot, um, or where he's just hanging there and gets hit from behind. So, yeah, just something to keep an eye on moving forward. And that was a five-yard rush, set up the second and five drag route to David Sills from a three-by-one set. David Sills was initially the backside lone receiver. 
And again, watch the top of the screen, a post wheel from the number one, number two. What does that do? That clears out that entire side of the field. And then the Giants run Daniel Bellinger directly at the Mike linebacker, Josh Bynes. And since the Ravens ended up blitzing an extra player here, it allows David Sills to just basically run wide open because everything is cleared out to the two concept side of the post wheel, which ended up being three because the number three wide receiver just runs directly at Bynes to remove him from the play. And that's one of the observations I really like that you made a lot earlier in the season, Nick, and you bring it up a lot. When the Giants run these routes, yeah, you have the post wheel that operates in its own right as a basically a ver- two, two vertical routes that will clear out those defenders. But the third concept of that, the third thing in there, Daniel Bellinger running the route directly at 56. I really like that little nuance of how they design this because, you know, you could run a route in a variety of ways, but when you run it directly at the face of that defender, it doesn't give him the opportunity to kind of work down and undercut the David Sills route or to break back to that. He has to kind of be, he's occupied by Daniel Bellinger there. And so that's just a nice little nuance to how they design these routes that, you know, doesn't allow, like I said, the defender to make a play. If he was going to, if he was smart enough or instinctual enough to make a play and drive down on David Sills. Now that's not really an option for him. It's also the rules of the Baltimore Ravens defense that the giants know whenever they are in match, like watch, Number 56 is his, he's tasked to wall off Daniel Bellinger. So his job is to not allow Daniel Bellinger to basically break inside over the middle of the field. You can see how he angles right there and watch number 40. Now number 40 passes David Sills off and he makes an under call that is not communicated. You see how he kind of points in that direction. Like, Hey, under, under, uh, right. Crap. So there's understanding defensive principles and exploiting them is something that I feel like this offensive coaching staff does very well. Now it's because they're professional coaches. It's not just because Brian Dable has experience being a defensive coach. I'm sure that helps, but that's not the only reason, but it's something that I feel like throughout every single game, we've seen plays like this. We saw it against the green Bay Packers with Devondre Campbell, where he tried to pass something off. And I feel like that was just a terrible play by Devondre Campbell, not kind of knowing the situation, but again, it's, it's forcing miscommunications and allowing receivers to run free based on route concepts, concepts from the backside and also taking advantage of the fact that you think a defense is going to run some sort of match principle. So you just run routes that are going to exploit one specific player. And that is exactly what the giants do so consistently on offense. I love that breakdown, Nick, and you're right. And that's been one of the big reasons why the giants have been so successful. Cause like Nick said, these are professional coaches and they're two, two people have jobs to do. It's the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator. He has a job to do as well as the giants offensive coordinator in these spots. And it's about who can do their job better, who can exploit, like you said, tendency exploiter, Mike Kapka, who can do that, do a better job of that on a consistent basis. Cause you're not going to hit every play. Yeah. This is an excellent adjustment by the blockers. This is a first and 10, eight yard run by Saquon Barkley. And if you look, the giants are going to run a counter type of run where they pull the sniffer and they pull the backside guard. Watch how JPP kind of stays tight. And he's attempting to wrong arm this because he's expecting Daniel Bellinger to attempt to kick him out. So you can see how JPP dips underneath Daniel Bellinger's block. And I think the blockers on the Giants do a really good job adjusting here to the fact that they have two blockers on JPP. Essentially, you want JPP to be kicked out and then you're going to have a lead blocker for Saquon Barkley. But instead, Bellinger ends up kind of getting wrong armed right here by Jason Pierre-Paul because Jason Pierre-Paul is going in with his outside arm and he's just attempting to create traffic to spill everything outside. And what that does, the fact that JPP executed that assignment, that's going to force Josh Bynes to scrape over the top of JPP and now take contain. And that's exactly what happens here. But Mark Lewinsky 
and Daniel Bellinger both engage this block on JPP. And then Daniel Bellinger realizes, okay, Mark Lewinsky, Glow has him now. I can transition off, and now I could pick up Josh Bynes, who is in contain. And then Saquon Barkley realizes all this is going on, and he just runs right off the ass of Andrew Thomas, who already picked up one of the linebackers, and Mark Lewinsky to spring this nice rush, this eight-yard run by the New York Giants. But I feel like the adjustment from Bellinger to know, okay, I'm not in the right position right here. Let me go find somebody else because Lewinsky has this block. Just shows the processing of this rookie. Yeah, that was an excellent also, breakdown by you there. Team, man. Love that double team by Andrew Thomas. Watch Chip climb. He's going to chip to help Bradison climb to yep. locate the pursuing linebacker. That's just good blocking, good adjustments right there from the Giants. Yeah, excellent play. That goes for eight yards. Now on a second and two situation, um, this isn't the best execution of a run here, I thought, by Brita. I didn't know why he cut that to the outside there. Off the Neither tackle, I. I was curious. Yeah. Just didn't, I don't know what he read here, but I feel like if he just gets vertical and slams that inside, it's an easy first down conversion. This could have been a touchdown by Matt Breida right here. And I, I don't want to be an armchair quarterback, but here I am. Because watch, you have a double team with John Feliciano and and uh, 64 Mark Lewinsky right there who physically removed the nose technique with Glowinski climbing to the linebacker and Evan Neal doing a solid job on Calais Campbell. But Matt Breida decides to run to the back of Marcus Johnson and Daniel Bellinger and ends up getting tackled here. I, I think this was a... Chalk this one up for an L for a good old Matt Breida. It's going to happen. They're not going to make the best processing reads every play. I love how on the third and one, the Giants finally went to the quarterback sneak. It's been, yeah. I'm a big fan of the sneak. It needed to get done and they finally did it. It's just such an easy way to create free yard. It's the move. It's the move on third and short for me, at least. Um, and then here, they try to use some jet motion here, hand the ball to Barkley. He does a good job of turning what should have been a, a negative gain into a negative play into a three yard gain. And look at this juke by Barkley to get around yeah, Justin Matabuke. And also Matabuke making an Once impact again. right here, keeping Bredesen off his chest and then presenting himself in the hole. Doesn't get the tackle here. That's a great play by the kid. And it all sets up this Daniel Bellinger touchdown. Giants just ran the football four consecutive times. One of them was a four quarterback sneak. Times. Yep. I get it. But now they're going to align 13 personnel, go with the play action, roll Daniel Jones away from his body against the grain. And that's a great strike to Daniel Bellinger. And also very smart by Daniel Bellinger to sit right there before he flows into number 44 zone. That's a very smart play by Daniel Bellinger. That's what Daniel Jones was talking about. Like this kid understands how to uncover and how to put himself Find in a position to be open. Yep. Finding Find the knack. That's exactly what Daniel Jones said, but let's back it up real quick. I keep the same angle, that end zone angle. This is another example of a really nice off platform throw by Daniel Jones. He's rolling to his left really hard for righty quarterback flips his hip around, flips his hips around just in time doesn't have a chance to reset himself, doesn't have a chance to get on platform, has to be basically be off balance, and he rips that ball in there. Yes, it doesn't look like a rip from this angle, but I can assure you if you're there, that ball came with good juice, uh, got in there, and again, he has to roll to his left, hard for a righty to do, flip his hips back, and drive that football, and that's exactly what he does. So that was the <laughs> touchdown there. We have to obviously have the Lamar Jackson interception after that. Um, there's one more play, uh, a three uh, three play drive, that final play of the drive, um, final drive of the game. Do you want to go over that one? Yeah, I mean, I'll, we'll pull it up right here. It's it's on the screen. Darius Slayton right here. This is actually a really good pass by Daniel Jones that I wanted to highlight. Yes. And what, you know, guess what I was thinking when I watched this on tape, Nick? Because this Why is a really, really good God ball placement on the tape. Yes, dude, that's exactly right. You can read my mind sometimes, and it's crazy, Nick, how well you can read my mind because we literally <laughs> don't talk about this before the pod. It's like unscripted, but this is exactly what you signed Kenny Galladay to do. Like 
if Kenny Galladay is given a ball with that kind of ball placement on the fade route, and look at Jones before the snap with his left arm kind of motioning there to Daniel. I think that was the Daniel Bellinger to kind of run inside. I'm not exactly sure what that was actually, but the tap on the either butt. way. Yeah, the tap in the butt. I'm not exactly. It could be sure. like a free. That could be a free access call. I'm not sure if it, if he had free access right here. And free access, okay. I basically mean a lot of the times the three by one set that one receiver based on the pre snap leverage will be given a route from the quarterback to run based on said ah, leverage. That's exactly so, what that yeah, is. So right here, this could have been him tapping his ass, which on this day, on this he drive, I don't Slayton know how much they. He, he looks at Slayton like, "Hey, I'm going to go to the fade here." Because if you look. If Jones didn't go for the fade now, there is an unblocked defender who's going into his face because the Ravens decide to bring pressure. But right. Saquon Barkley probably has a touchdown right here. Now, I'm not faulting Jones here. I think you take your one-on-one -on -one shot, and I think the, the pass is really, really well-placed by Daniel Jones. It, it's a tough catch by Darius Slayton, but it's one of those catches that I think a lot of NFL receivers who are 50-50 ball catchers should catch. That's not necessarily Slayton's game, but watch Saquon Barkley break into space here. This is man coverage up there. I don't know if Jones would have had time to get rid of the football because of the blitzing defender, but the traffic created by the release of the tight end just absolutely picked the defender who's on Saquon Barkley. And watch right there, Saquon Barkley. That would have been a touchdown right there. Yeah, and I know you're not nitpicking or knocking Jones, so I'm not saying No, I'm not. Not at all. Not at all. It's more, of a, it's more of a testament to the scheme. Yeah, exactly. It's a testament to yeah. the scheme because Barkley, you know, if there is time and Jones does make that decision to kind of come off Slayton, he could potentially hit Barkley, and we know Barkley's going to outrun with that much space for a touchdown. It's just simply true. But I'm, I, but I'm fine with Jones pulling the trigger here, especially when you, as you see him kind of tap his butt before the play. He wants this route. He knows he's going to go this. He's determined it before the snap. He gives the signal to Slayton based on the leverage of this defense, and he layers the ball really nicely in here. And again, I don't blame Darius Slayton. It's a tough catch, but dude, like. Kenny Galladay was signed to make these catches nine out of 10 times, or maybe even a higher percentage. And he was making those kinds of plays in Detroit. And so it's just so frustrating to me that they, because you know, the Ravens are going to play this exactly the same. If Kenny Galladay is on the field in place of Darius Slayton, no one respects Kenny Galladay at this point. And even if they did, they wouldn't play this any differently. That's how the Ravens are aligned. They're bringing pressure. It's the play call. And so you have this one-on-one, -on -one, this dream scenario, and you have a ball that's layered up nicely on the fade and put in a good spot. But you can't really win that with Darius Slayton. You need to have a Kenny Galladay type to win these kind of routes. And they signed him to be that. And he's just simply not that. Uh, Wando Robinson's that at five foot seven. No, I'm just trying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darius, <laughs> we'll play next to Wando Robinson at five seven. Yeah, let's do that. But like, I'm very impressed with this throw. And also when you, when you freeze it right here, for those watching on YouTube, the ball is directly in Darius Slayton's upfield hand. And it's a tough catch. There's contact, whatever. I'm not like a pissed that they didn't throw a flag or anything like that, but why can't he just spit on his glove, Dan, and just have that stick? We've seen so many wide receivers make that one handed catch, right? Like I'm imagining it's the spit, right? It's the saliva that makes that catch. Nah, yeah, exactly. It's it's the grip strength, I think, and it's like the, the ability to maybe pull that into your body off the one hander there. But as you obviously noticed, he didn't. And here comes one of my the most fun plays of the game: direct snap to Saquon Barkley. It's just such a wild play. Look at it from that angle. From the end zone angle, it looks absolutely absurd. They have Daniel Jones lined up as basically the running back in a wildcat. Barkley snaps it. He hands it to Jones. Jones runs around. He fakes the reverse. He fakes another pitch to who's that coming around? Brita. Matt Brita. Yeah. And then while getting hit, throws the ball out there to Bellinger. This is a great play design right here. And it's one of those wacky play designs. The Giants continue to, to yeah. run out there. And you know what? They might run this play. Again, only this time, Daniel Jones is going to pitch it to Matt Breida, and now he has Saquon Barkley maybe as a lead blocker or what have you. 
but I just love the fact that the defense right here, they're all guessing. If, you, if you're watching on YouTube, this, the linebackers are all just running in opposite directions. They have no idea who has the football. The, the Giants offense dictates just as much as the Giants defense does here. And Jones ends up completing this pass to Daniel Bellinger to help set up the touchdown run that we're about to see. Yep. And here's the touchdown run for those. This is just simple, just acrobatic Saquon Barkley jumping over a bunch of people to get into the end zone for six. And you'd love to see that. And then the Giants end up going on another drive after this, which is essentially just them kneeling the football out and Giants get the W. And that's and you guys have all seen it where Saquon Barkley makes the heady play to not go in the end zone. Oh, you want, yeah. Let's let's bring that up. Let's bring that up. That's a, yeah, a good we point. Don't, I, mean, I think if everyone's seen that. I don't know if we need to run it back here. If you want, I'm going to run it. I'm going to run it back yeah, just because sure. I, I like the, uh, I love the spin, man. And it reminds me of playing Madden. Yeah. Like, like I tweeted. No, about. I like how you described that on Twitter, how it did, it did feel like a very Madden play where you're smashing like you're B. Smashing B right there. You're smashing B and then you just tap X because you know you won. And at that point, you know, your, your opponent hoped that you would score just because <laughs> they would have that glimmer of a chance to come back and win. But instead you just decided to do the selfless play right here. And Daniel Bellinger kind of another block in the back. Oh, geez. Giants are going to get called for this. Eventually it's going to happen yeah. next week. I, I don't want to manifest that, but very selfless play by Saquon Barkley. I'm sure it pissed off a lot of fantasy owners without a doubt. Um, and so that's the game here, folks. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to do some superlatives and wrap up here, Nick. So let's start off with your unheralded player on the game film, unheralded player on the game film. I had Matt Breida last week, and I think I want to go Matt Breida again. With the blitz pickups. But I, I'm i going to go with, is Evan Neal count? Yes. I'm so, going to go with Evan Neal, yeah, I it's, think. It's, it's, I think it counts. I th- here's the thing with these on all the players. Like, yeah, it's close, but he's not going to ma- ever make best player overall, right? Or at least, no, I shouldn't say ever. Right now, he's not in the mix for best player overall in this game or any of the other games. So, I feel like it's okay to put him on unheralded. Like it's it's not a deep dive. It's like the the obvious. Yeah. It's more of like an obvious pick. But I'm fine going with that. Is Neil your choice? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go with Evan Neal. And honestly, my best player overall is different. It's not one of the top two. Okay. Well, that's interesting. But, we'll get to that. But it's the it's the it's yeah. We'll get to that. You, we'll get who's to your that unheralded as, player as we move forward. There. Um, for me, for unheralded player, I had a lot of people that I was tossing through my mind. Neil was one of them because Neil played such a good game and hasn't really been heralded. And he's kind of even had so much negative attention. You went with Neil, so I'm not going to go with Neil. I don't want to personally, I was thinking Wondell Robinson maybe, but he's not the guy for me either. I, again, I still think that he left a big play on the field when he dropped that third and long pass, the third and 11. Ben Bredesen is somebody who was in my running and ultimately won the award for me this week because Ben Bredesen, the two polls we talked about, what'd you say? Played two positions too. Played two positions, which is that, that agreed. That's another factor in why I like Bredesen. He's forced to to switch over to center in the middle of the game. Bredesen to me was operating at a pretty damn high level in the run game and didn't make too many glaring mistakes in the passing game. Like if you're looking at who to blame for some of these pass breakdowns, there's more onus that I'm putting on Feliciano and even Glowinski on a couple of the snaps. So to me, I would say Ben Bredesen was arguably in my mind, the third best lineman in the game after Thomas and Neil, and he'll get my unheralded award for the week. What's your best route? There's several here. I'm going to, I'll I'll jump in first. Since I put mine in the dock, Uh, I'm going to go with Wandale's whip route. Wandale Robinson's whip route on the third. And I think it was 12 or whatever it was. I think that was a very nice route. And it, 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 it put Kyle Hamilton just absolutely in the spins. So I'm going to go with that, but there are plenty of others to choose from. Yeah. I'm, I've narrowed it down to two for me. 
it's either going to be the third and 14 stick to Slayton, the one you broke out, the broke out, uh, bro, sorry, broke down earlier, where Slayton kind of does a really good job of settling into that spot. But I'm not going to go with that. I'll settle in on a throw that actually wasn't uh, on a play that wasn't actually thrown. It was at third and five earlier in the game. I think it was the second three and out for the Giants, where Darius Slayton ran the, ran the outside whip route against Marcus Peters. That was a really filthy route to watch when I went back on the film. We broke it down earlier, so you guys can flip back to that. But Slayton created excellent separation on that outside whip route. Jones didn't go there. He ultimately came back to Barkley. Uh, I think it was the third and five. They went for four yards and they punted. But that route they'll see on film and they'll and they'll know that that's an opportunity later. Best throw is an interesting one. There are a lot of options. And for me, it's all going to come down to the off-platform throws for me in this one. Like, I think he did a good job driving from on from from platform in those clean pockets. I think, again, he did a good job of stepping up, driving throws, the slate in third and 14, the Wandell that was dropped. There were a few really good drive throws from, from a platform on balance. But when he was off-platform, he made some really great throws as well, Jones. So for me, it comes down to two throws here. I'll probably steal your thunder, but you can take – you can if, if you're thinking along the same lines as me, but you can take the one. I got a couple. Take. I got okay, a couple. Okay, good. So yeah. for me, it's either the full house throw where he's rolling out and he throws that ball with perfect touch to Matt Breida, or it's the touchdown to Daniel Bellinger. Because again, and I'm going to go with the touchdown to Daniel Bellinger just because I think it's a more difficult throw to make because you're, again, you're rolling to your left as a righty. You have to flip your hips back around. No time to set. There was a defender closing in right on Daniel Jones, and he kind of just rips that ball into that vac- into that little zone, into that little you know vacated area of the zone that Daniel Bellinger s- settles down into. So I'll go with the touchdown to Bellinger. Touchdown to Bellinger is a very good one, and I love the mind meld between Bellinger and Jones on that play. I'm going to go with the Marcus Johnson throw. Now, that wasn't necessarily off-platform, but I just I kind of like everything that had to do with it. I like the aggressiveness of Daniel Jones. I like the play call. I like the fact that it was third and four, and Daniel Jones targets a route that's 18 yards downfield, and he puts the ball in front of Marcus Johnson, allowing him to run a little bit further, but he ends up just basically getting tackled right away because it was good coverage. It wasn't necessarily the easiest of throws. I felt like it was placed well, so I'm going to go with that play. That's a great, I'm, I'm glad you said that one because that was probably his best, in my opinion, anticipatory throw of the game. He threw that ball with the best anticipation of any of the other throws. And this offense doesn't really, hasn't really had too many opportunities, I don't think, yet for anticipatory throws, but that was a good example one. So that's a great one. And that's something we're looking for. How about the best play call in this game? I mean, this, I think there's an obvious one. I'm curious to get your take on it. Best play call of the game. I would probably go with the full house. I like the yeah. fact that they just converted a third and 14 and then they went into that and they used tempo to their advantage. There's just a lot of moving parts as to why that was a very good throw, but I think you could point to many play calls and, and, and kind of highlight just how advanced this coaching staff is and how they put their players in a position to have a lot of success. I don't want to be redundant here. I feel like I'm saying this every single podcast, but it's consistent and it's happening every single damn game. So and we'd say it differently. If, it was, if the case was different, we'd just say it different. You guys have been with those of you who've been with us long enough. No, <laughs> we're not just here to, to spew the, you know, the, the giants propaganda at you. We're not those guys <laughs> at all. Like there are guys that if you want that. You can get it plenty of places. You get it on Twitter. You could get it from the team. Team, if you really want it, there's a couple guys in there on the team, maybe one guy in particular who thinks I should be covering hockey. You could get it from that. But we're saying this because that's what we see on the film. He's giving them an event. Not just he, Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, the entire offensive coaching staff is giving them a weekly advantage. And so I am going to go with the full house call. There's so many nuances to play, but what really makes and there's a lot of great play calls. So there's a lot of options. But what makes this one the best one for me is what Nick pointed out. And he did this, by the way. I don't think you saw that Matt Waldman breakdown, but now I heard it from you and from Matt Waldman. And so I know it's true because you guys are, are 
unbelievable at analyzing football, but to me, it's just exactly what both of them said. It's the, it's, it's not the design. It's not the personnel package. It's that they showed something that wildcat look they've been looking immediately motioned into the full house look. And then within under three seconds, snap the football did not give the defense time to reset and to adjust to what the giants had done. That to me is what made that the best play call overall. How about the best player on film for you this week? Not going to hesitate. Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones was the best player on film. And it's the first time this season that it's somebody who was not Andrew Thomas and who is not Saquon Barkley. Now I'll say Daniel Jones wasn't without his faults. He had some plays that I feel like we covered and and we touched up. I feel like Andrew Thomas wasn't without his faults. He lost a couple reps as well, not necessarily in pass protection, but as a run blocker, which is rare because Andrew Thomas is having such a dominant season. I'm not just doing this to deviate away from Thomas or Barkley. I think what Daniel Jones is doing right now like, like I said in the quick reaction podcast, he's showing the signs of the quarterback that we've always wanted out of Daniel Jones. Does that mean he is that guy? No, I still think you need to see it consistently as we've brought up several times. But what he's putting on display right now is the type of quarterback that you can hit your wagon to. Now we just need it on a more consistent level and hopefully it grows as he gr- as he's with this offense a little bit more and he gets a little bit more help from his wide receivers, which hopefully that happens and Kadarius Tony comes back healthy and all that jazz. But I'm going to go with Daniel Jones, bro. So for me, it was between two players for best player overall. One of them is not Saquon Barkley. To me, from what I saw in film, there were a couple processing. Just It's been so perfect for Barkley these first five weeks that there's going to obviously be plays where I, where I feel like there's some yardage left on the field. And he did make the most of a lot of plays. We went over them. But there were a couple cutbacks, and there were a couple lanes that I wish he had kind of saw a little bit earlier and got vertical on and shot. And some of them were also just like, like you said, Matabuke beating blocks and, and just the in not being there but to me this was not Saquon Barkley's best game and I don't think he was the best player on the field so he's not one of the two I considered a dark horse Evan Neal oh it's like a dark horse play but I still think there's like a lot of room for him to grow in the run game specifically um and there were still a few examples of him off balance in the run game so he's not going to get it for me it is between Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas and I think you did a great job of breaking down why although Jones had a couple plays he wish he could have back. He wish he could hit Darius Slayton on that whip route. He wish he could uh, maybe have a little bit better ball placement on the drop by Johnson and the drop by Wandell. But these are really nitpicky things. And like you said, Andrew Thomas was not pinpoint perfect in this game. So with that said, I'm also going with Daniel Jones. It's a tough call between Jones and Thomas for me in this game. But I think Jones was the best player on the field for the Giants for this game. And that's a really good sign when we're both agreeing on that. Exactly, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. Hopefully the kid can continue to build. What is your pass blocking grade? Yes. This is an interesting so one. To me, this was, first of all, we almost tripled the true pass sets. That has to be taken into account versus last game. We had five true pass sets. This game, 12. So many clean pockets. Very few breakdowns. Evan Neal's best game. Andrew Thomas more the same. I thought Ben Bredesen's potentially his best game in pass pro wasn't as great as the other two, but it's still for him was maybe his best game. This to me was the best pass blocking the Giants have had all season long by a considerable margin, considering how often they were actually pass blocking versus the Green Bay game where they were great too, but they weren't pass blocking that often. So for me, I don't remember the grade I gave last week. I think it was like a 7-1. I know it has to then be higher than that grade. I am going to go 7-9. This is really good. I thought it was really well blocked in the past game. And that might even be too low, honestly. Yeah, that's crazy, man, because I had 8-1. Okay. And I honestly think 7-9 is too low. There were a couple plays when when there was... beat him on some stunts. 
they beat him on they definitely beat him on some some twists and things like that up front i feel like a zudu that mistake that ended in a sack which resulted in a field goal was bad and also i felt like john feliciano got bullied quite a bit and the offensive line might have looked a little bit better they were good don't get me wrong but if we're talking about them being elite i feel like they might have looked a little bit better just because daniel jones also did a really good job maneuvering the pocket and getting to the places where the offensive line being infringed wasn't going to affect his ability to pass the ball yeah that's a great point jones aided the offensive we've always said Sacks are not always an offensive line stat. They're quarterback and offensive line stat. And this was a good example of the quarterback making life easier for the offensive line uh, in this game. So, yeah, I think that's fair. How about the run blocking? We'll close out here. Run blocking grade 1 to 10. Let's go with a 6-2. How's that? I think that's that's fair. Yeah. I feel like there were there were plays where Matabuke just absolutely dominated. I, I didn't see as much of Calais Campbell. I felt like there were excellent run blocking plays and there were some that weren't blocked up all that well. 6-2 might be a little low, but that's where I'm going to go. No, I'm going 5-9. I'm going a little bit lower. So I think there's flashes of just great run blocking plays with the play we talked about earlier with Be- uh, with Bellinger and Bredesen pulling and doing a great job. The play you talked about where um, Bellinger had the block and I forgot who came around and, and leveled him. I think it was Glowinski put him to the ground. There were really high flashes in the run blocking game, but overall it was nowhere close to the Giants' best run blocking game. They didn't really spring any big plays at all for Saquon Barkley for the first time all season, which I think has to be accounted for uh, when you're giving out an overall grade. So I'm just going to go 5-9 there. But that's fair, man. All right, well, that's the All-22 film breakdown of the Giants' offense. Thank you again for listening or watching to the Big Blue Banter podcast. Again, remember, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been listening over the years to our All-22 Film Breakdowns, you can now get this on YouTube. Head over to YouTube, type in Big Blue Banter. You'll find our logo. You'll find our videos. We will literally put up the All-22 Film for you. We'll walk you through it. We'll talk you through it. And we'll break down the plays and have a lot of fun. Soon, we might turn this into a live show, by the way. We've toyed with the idea. It's interesting. It's extremely confusing in my mind uh, as to the execution of it, if it could be possible or not. We'll see. It sounds a little crazy, but it might happen. So keep that in mind as a possibility, but keep it locked and loaded here. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed on the podcast. Download everything. That helps us a lot. Leave a rating and review if you haven't, because more stuff's coming your way. Defensive film breakdown tomorrow, most likely, unless something crazy happens. Uh, preview of the Jaguars coming later this week. Mailbag, probably. Some other kind of fun content. So... Keep it here. Keep it locked and loaded. Five and one Giants going for six and one this weekend. I can't believe it. Go Giants. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.